as surfers, we have a natural love for the ocean, being in the water and chasing thrills. Surfing and surf culture is at the core of Loose. We are a brand made for all-day thrill seekers, experience makers, and good time chasers. Inspired by the elements of surf that excite us the most, we create products begging for adventure, both into the water and out of the water. There's no stamp of approval needed to vibe with our tribe. So drop your inhibitions and get loose because fun feels better. Loose towels. Since 1991, Caballero Pools and Spas has been dedicated to creating an outdoor living space that will provide endless hours of fun and entertainment for your entire family. They specialize in offering excellent service and delivering top quality craftsmanship at a reasonable price. They will transform your yard into something unique and distinctive, a customized masterpiece that reflects your individual preferences. Their experience will ensure that your new backyard is something you will be proud of for years to come. Whether it's a minor project or a large master plan, Caballero Pools and Spas will help you get there. Check them out at cabpools.com or reach them at mark at cabpools.com or call 714-309-2890. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Neon Wave. Neon Wave is an internationally local shop, a concierge to the modern nomad. They bring together carefully chosen surf, fashion, art, and snowboarding gear with a curatorial eye that's drawn to the best of the best, technicality, creativity, and sustainability. Their team is born from nature, raised by the wave, and nurtured by the culture they support. This is Neon Wave. We look forward to moving forward. Check them out at thisisneonwave.com. Earth Pack. Customized, eco-friendly retail and e-com packaging since 1989. In a time of increasing environmental awareness, EarthPack is an advanced supplier of affordable recycled packaging for businesses of all sizes. EarthPack provides custom products and services and continues promoting sustainability while fulfilling the individual packaging needs of eco-friendly retailers nationwide. Check them out at earthpack.com. ColbyPlus.com is a new brand from a very experienced crew in the wetsuit and surf industry. An independently owned and family run business. All of their products are made with the best in the world materials and they only sell direct. So you're getting a top of the line product for much less. Their wetsuit line, Colby Plus Yamamoto uses Yamamoto number 39 and number 40 neoprene propriety jersey and what we believe is the best and most functional design and construction available. Their line of waterproof bags Colby Plus T-Zip feature completely water and airtight German-made T-Zip zippers. They have a tight line of traction and leashes and will have board shorts on the way in the spring featuring Swiss engineered shoulder fabric. They are currently shipping orders to the US, Canada and Australia. For you Aussies and Canadians, unfortunately, the shipping isn't free. ColbyPlus.com, Finless Skateboard Company. To honor our predecessors of surf shapers, we wanted to make sure that our skateboards were completely handmade, made of solid wood, and that the designs, the line work, and aesthetics of our boards are unique to each deck we create. No heat transfers, no stickers, except for our logo. The whole board is made of carefully assembled different species of wood with cores of hard maple and top and bottom sheets carefully assembled with various types of wood species to give our board 
Gardens, the look of a classic 1950s surfboard. Handcrafted is human, handcrafted is thoughtful, handcrafted is quality, handcrafted is community. Finless Skateboard Company. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. Woo! Chalky, where are we at? We're at Surf Expo in Florida. Florida. Yep. Uh, before we jump into this handsome entrepreneur over here, <laughs> we wanted to give a big shout out and thank you to Roy Turner, yep. Rod Tomlinson, and Surf Expo for inviting us and putting us up. Yeah, thank you. This is an awesome show and, and I've already ran into like 50 people I know, yeah. so I, I'm popular I guess, but this guy's more popular than anybody I know here. <laughs> one last blast, or one last uh, plug, thank you to Action Sports Canopy. Action Sports so Canopy. They do all your tent toppers, all your backdrops, all your signs, POP. Yeah. yeah. So here we go. We're here with the world famous Dane. <laughs> you have a nickname, Dane? What's your nickname? Come Not on. me that I like. <laughs> what's what's, what's the, the most popular kid one when, huh? you out, when you're a grom? Oh, Beaver. Beaver. <laughs> <laughs> some people hate. Some people won't let it go because they think it bothers me still. But yeah. I don't care. Yeah. But why Beaver? Because I had massive front teeth. Oh, did you? Yeah. Your tooth grew into it. I, so. My my face got fat, and then my teeth don't look like beaver teeth anymore. <laughs> but you had the chiclets when you were a kid. Yeah. Like the big, just yeah, front. yeah, totally. Big oh, fat. Like, thank you, sir. Awesome. It's Pat. Yeah, stay hydrated, oh. Pat Von Lloyd. Cheers, dogs. <laughs> so, um, Dave, we're here at Surf Expo. You're oh. you're showcasing your brand, former. Yep. We are. Yeah. And tell us uh, a little background on... on uh, Former? Yeah. So, well, I don't know. <laughs> How long do you want? What sort of a story do you want? Short or concise? I think everybody's just interested on, obviously, you know, the concept, you okay. know, and where you came with the name and, like, you know, why. Like, when. And, okay. and the timing, I guess. So, when Quicksilver went bankrupt and... My deal got cut. Craig's deal got cut. There was like deals on the table, but we were just like little brats and didn't want to like. I don't want to ready for that brand or. Yeah, Austin. pretty much. We were just like. So, we linked up with Austin Gillette and Dylan Reader, and they're just friends. And we we we're just talking about like what was going on in the industry and how we didn't really like like what we were seeing and how we could do something different and kind of merge surf and skate and in my mind I was just like we can't fail yeah <laughs> like a little naive but, but ambitious like, two of the most influential skaters I feel weird saying this but two of the most influential surfers like Absolutely. combining and creating a brand like shit's gonna fly off the shelves like yeah. you can't, uh, can't do anything wrong and then we started kind of like getting into building the organization and went through like a series of different partners and then Dylan got sick and ended up passing away and everything just kind of stalled out for so long um, but then we finally launched and like did like 60 grand the first day and we're just like high fives like we made it yeah and then we have product to sell for like six months and we're like fuck we're broke yeah <laughs> anyways I don't know how transparent to be here but anyways uh we had like a pretty roller coaster ride of, of just like being dropped in the deep end of 
what business is. Yeah. And uh, pro surfing and pro surf skating doesn't really educate you on yeah. <laughs> uh, how to really do anything. Uh, so we had like a pretty roller coaster ride, and out of stubbornness, I wouldn't really hang it up. Uh, ran it out of my garage for 18 months, then Austin took it on and had like an idea for like a um, sort of like an event space, like warehouse event space in LA, and then literally that was February 2020. So yeah, that just got shut down, but we just kind of like rode, rode along, like, and uh. We've all been super involved, and like it's so small. It was so small scale at that time, and then randomly, Pat and Eddie came along um, and saw promise with the brand, and thought that there was like opportunity within the landscape. And they've come along and really gave us like all the tools and work, and just like actually gave us some structure, some structure, and yeah. legs, and we're feeling like we're in a good position right now. Can I? Can we go backtrack a little bit? And Honestly, I have trouble not uh, <laughs> telling. I don't know if that's bad. No, no, no. It's just informative. <laughs> and, 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 and it's the truth, right? It's yeah. the truth. <laughs> so, um, going back to when you were a kid growing up, becoming a pro surfer, like that was always your drive, right? Like you, you wanted to be a pro surfer. For sure. Um, I, I legitimately studied surf videos and all I wanted to do was like go to Indo, wear that billabong rash guard that Chris Malloy's wearing, yeah. surf that wave, like you I had, had this, this like, living vicariously through the movies and yeah. you envision yourself at those spots like that surf videos was my jam. Yeah. I would I would watch hours and hours of surf videos. Watched you a lot. Oh, <laughs> take it easy. Taylor Steele. <laughs> Taylor Steele was my jam. I fucking loved it. Uh, who who was uh, the surfers you were looking up to? Um, I mean, honestly, it's like I looked at like I like to like be psyched on random people. My friends weren't psyched on. Like I wasn't like a Kelly guy. I was like. Fucking Justin Post is sick. Yeah, nice. <laughs> you know what he's I mean? gonna love to hear that. <laughs> yeah, that's well. Awesome. It, I think you, 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 you know, you identify Honest. with what you like feel. You know, yeah. like hey, I kind of feel like the way that guy serves. That's why you know. That's what I. Taylor want Knox is my guy. Yeah, I fucking love Power. Taylor Knox. Just yeah. the sickest technique. Like when he was on yeah. those rusties in that one segment where yeah. he was. I don't know what movie that was. Taylor's one, but man, when he was on that rusty, I just remember I watched that part a million times for sure. Totally, I, yeah. I would study that. Try and get sick freeze frames on the VCR. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hand gestures. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, body, body positioning, all that. Totally. So, um, that was kind of the root of why I wanted to be a professional surfer was just to go surf those waves yeah. and like surf like those guys. Is there one particular movie that you've always had in the fucking VCR? The show, Loose nice. Change. Uh, Lar, Lar was in Loose Change. I know. And the show. I'm aware of that. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Little parts. I was like, you know, B, I was like B, B class in, the, in those movies, but I'll take it. That was, <laughs> I know, I remember. I actually, like every wave still. <laughs> I, was, I was actually on that trip when you guys filmed a lot of those, a lot of those, like, yeah, I'm lucky enough. I mean, as a thing, I was chasing the dream of making the tour and, like, you know, contest, contest, contest. I'm like, I just want to go surf good waves with my friends, and that's kind of where I kind of 
drifted off to. And I mean, that's going back to what you were just saying as a kid. Like, I just want to go surf these exotic waves and, you know, uh, yeah, go surf killer killer waves and warm water. So yeah, I don't know. There's like a visceral thing of just like the surf of like just wanting to surf like the guys that I was watching in surf films and like have that sticker on my board and wear that thing and like that logo and like. Who who was your first sponsor? Um, Channel Islands actually. Um, I don't know if you guys remember a guy, Jeff Brack. Yes. Yeah. Um. So he was like. So I started surfing kind of late. I moved to Ventura for Bakersfield when I was 10. And there was like a group of surfers who were like already, in my mind, like ripping. And I... Who are, who are those guys? Um, Tyler Smith, Robbie Lopez, uh, Jeff Rack. Uh, and they same age or are they are a couple years older? Jeff Rack's like a year older, but... Um, um, so they, you, you Tyler Smith was my best friend from Bakersfield. He, his, his parents got a divorce and he moved to Ventura and I like spent the summer with him and we'd go down to the beach every day with a boogie board and a surfboard and just boogie board mostly and sometimes surf. Yeah. And then the next summer my dad got a transfer from Bakersfield to LA and he was a surfer. So I don't know how de- in depth you want. No, this is great. Yeah. It's free flowing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so I was lucky enough because my brother was good friends with his sister and Tyler we had that connection my dad wanted to surf we ended up in Ventura almost ended up in Huntington wow, wow. <laughs> close because he's in LA and you're like yeah hey, where exactly Orange County or he's trying to balance like we almost ended up in Valencia or was your daddy a short border yeah he's a long border yeah no he's a long border or a short border sorry nice like kind of fun shape these days yeah um, Ventura's not a bad bad spot for you know growing up to surf. So I just was Brack sponsored by Channel Islands, and that's how you got on. Or yes, he was sponsored by Channel Islands. He'd like sell me his used boards for like forty bucks. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he we kind of Channel Islands used to do this like workout thing on Tuesdays. Oh wow! Where like the team would get together and run like mock heats and like jog up to Bates Beach and back at Backside Rincon and run the stairs and like. Uh, he invited me to come to him if I could get us a ride. Um, so I started going to those. And um, I remember, and then after, we would have dinner at Terry and Al's house. Wow. They cooked for us. And like, I was tight knit crew. Yeah. It was pretty sick. And I was so grateful to be there. But she would like make like nice meals, and I'd be like, like I don't know I don't what to eat, eat here. Like, where's the mac and cheese? Like, a <laughs> grilled cheese sandwich? Shit. Like, but it was pretty killer. And then like after I don't know how many months of that, the team manager like was like, hey, dang, like come here. Like, and he took me into like another room, and he's like, we want to like put you on the team. Like, we'll give you like boards for two fifty or something like that. And he's like, do you want to order? And he had like an order card, and I was like. And I got aboard really recently. I'm good. Like, I didn't realize I was like, <laughs> I'm getting hooked up. Yeah, I was like, I kind of just got a new board. Like, but anyways, that's kind of how it started with Channel Islands. I was like about 14. Wow. Were you surfing contests yet? Or no? It is to say, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And how were you doing? Medium. Yeah. Like, I'd make finals and stuff, but wasn't like slaying it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then what was uh, like the first Oh, and then, and then, uh, Jeff Brack also got me on hardware. Do you remember hardware? Yes. Is that Ricky Schaefer? Ricky Schaefer. Yeah. 
<laughs> and uh, they gave me a contract with like uh, incentives. At 14. Uh, 14 or 15, yeah. 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 Like, no payment, but if I got stuff in magazines, like, I'd get, like, 200 bucks or something like that. Yeah. I started getting stuff in magazines, and I'd, like, invoice them, and they weren't paying me, and I, like, <laughs> got on the phone, and I was like, hey, this isn't, this isn't working. Like, I gotta, like, I gotta bail. Like, you guys aren't paying me these incentives. Like, did somebody tell you to do that, or, or did you do it? I think my room? mom, maybe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm, I'm doing, I'm getting some action. Where's my money? Yeah, exactly. Oh, were you a good student? Um... Yeah, I was yeah. actually. Yeah, I was a good student. What? What? I was uh, in my gate and stuff. Really? <laughs> Remember that? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Now my kids in gate. It's cool. Nice. <laughs> well, look at this. We always Smart talk film. about. We always talk about how some of the best athletes and some of the best surfers are also pretty smart. You know, you got like Kelly. For sure. Yourself, yeah, Kelly's very smart. And you got like, you know, people that are are driven are usually smart and kind of talented. So, what, so going back to that, you, you've been in school, besides pro surfing, was there any other like occupation that, or a backup plan that you thought that... No! <laughs> <laughs> Surf. I, well, I quit school at 15. Oh, shit. My ba- I, so, after Hardware, I, wrote, I got on Rip Curl, and then... That was a big contract. No, not really. Okay. Not a big contract at all. I'm, I was still like medium level NSSA, I think. Um, but the randomest breakthrough for me was um, there was an Art Brewer boat trip with Dave Rostovich, Donovan Frankenrider, Danny Fuller, Kamala Alexander, um, Brendan Margison. Wow. Um, Poncho Sullivan was meant to be on it, but it's like house flooded in Hawaii or something like that. I'm sure they Rip Girl went down the list like. Oh, I guess we'll send this kid. <laughs> and uh, I cannot believe that my parents were cool with me just like going on a almost, around the almost three week trip to Indonesia by myself. Um, was that your first international trip? I had done other trips by myself, but like a five day trip to like uh, Mexico, Mexico Pasquale's or something yeah. like that on a pro trip. Yeah. Um, so that, that trip. I got a ton of photos out of it. In magazines, and I was like, I'm pro, like mom, dad, like <laughs> I'm quitting school. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and were they supportive? Like they knew totally, like, that's yeah. your dream, and they're like, hey, let's just go for it. Totally. Um, but in hindsight, such a silly, such a dumb thing that I did Not to quit school at that time. Um, I mean, you know, your dreams are coming true at such an early age, and all these people you know that you're on this trip and, and Rip Curl puts you on this trip and you, you kind of rose to the occasion most likely I and, guess so I yeah. got a bunch of photos in the magazine and stuff and it was like I you would know this for sure but like it is crazy to be thrown into like that sort of a situation when you're 15 like yeah. I'd never drinking a beer before like and you're on a boat trip, like a with clubhouse. Men. Yeah, with oh, dude, yeah, they're like, <laughs> with you can't pirates. sit at you can't sit at the dinner table. You don't have a beer drum, and I'd like, like, oh, it's gross. It's so like, gross. <laughs> um, as your initiation, I, had, I seriously had one of those um, wheelie bags, like this. Half was clothes, and the other side was candy. 
<laughs> and I remember I got there and Kamala just raided the candy side. They just like fumbled it. Yeah. yeah. And he didn't ask yeah, he just took it. Oh no, that was that was all him. <laughs> That's the Hawaiian tax. Yeah. <laughs> so did you did they film too on that trip? I, I not really. That wasn't really like that wasn't really I like, mean that crew it sounds amazing. Yeah, um, Kamala had like a handy cam, and I remember some of the waves like ended up in an, a head movie, which would be cool to see. But yeah, um, I actually remember filming a lot on that trip and making like a little surf video out of it because yeah. that's why I wanted me to bring in like the next point of like you got into you know filming. You're obviously a big fan of Taylor movies and just studying footage. When did you start videoing yourself and, and like critiquing? As soon as I started surfing. Uh, that group of friends that I told you who were already like pretty advanced in my mind when I first started surfing, we would film each other every day, pretty much. I wish I could find those tapes. Yeah. You're full on skateboarder too. I was I was really into skateboarding when I lived in Bakersfield yeah. and pretty much as actually I say that I've said this forever, but I that I pretty much gave up or like quit as soon as I started surfing. But I remember we hit Skate Street pretty hard yeah. when we were young, so we still skated a lot. I feel like the best some of the best aerialists, some of the best surfers come from skateboarding or have skateboarding background. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, look at like Fletcher's. And yeah. Like, yeah. It definitely helps, I think, with just creativity and, and just more raw, like, you know, instead of the super polished, like, surf style, you know, like a little bit more raw edge, those that have a skate background. Yeah. You know what else I think is like really. Uh, actually like helps is I grew up with a trampoline in my yard so you get used to like being upside down and backwards and like all sorts of stuff like that I feel like that actually gets I don't body, know body movement yeah. like and just like feeling your yeah would you would you visualize like like connected to a board or would for you sure, bring a board yeah. in or oh yeah no yeah definitely a skateboard with no wheels on, yeah. it, on the trampoline for sure um have you ever had a normal job no. <laughs> <laughs> Your first job is starting a company. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, no, I have not, but... And I don't know where, like, my work ethic comes from, yeah. but I really value not being above any job. Like, just... Yeah. Just Learning. Just do it. We, like, could, we could tell. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. before my last, uh, last video showing... Uh, in Ventura, we I I have a little store and we I I've been doing like these little gatherings and showing films and having bands play and stuff because I just think that's cool for the community. That didn't happen when I was a kid. Yeah. Literally setting it up, I was scraping up human shit on our back store. And like, the like, bums like. Oh, dude, out? yeah. Oh. It's like there's the bums love our back door. Oh. <laughs> but my friend was like, ah. That's not for me, and I was just like, "Fucking, someone's gotta do it." I just feel like it's just like, yeah. I don't feel like it. It's. I feel like it's cool to uh, not be above anything, just to make no, it happen. Somebody yeah. has to do it, right? <laughs> Especially when you own your own business and starting out, you wear every fucking hat. You have to. Um, going back, <laughs> so to, I don't know if that was too much. No, <laughs> not even. I love it. We love this. This is going, this sorry. is raw. Going back to. Uh, you guys edit these, or is it just no. free flow? This is it. Okay. Yeah. But you, so I haven't watched. I, I still don't even know how to watch a, a podcast. No worries. I'll send you a text. Okay. Yeah. But um, what I wanted to ask you is, like, you were 
the new generation of surfing, like YouTube, you know, like vlogging or whatever. Yeah, Marine Layer. Yep. Yeah, you were Summer Teeth, Marine Layer. You, you kind of were like on the forefront of, of that, right? I guess so. Um, that whole Marine Layer came from when I first started filming, you work with a filmer, and it was like not cool to film other surfers. Do you know what I mean? Like, if somebody shows up with a film crew, you do not film their guy. Yeah. Um, there was like this etiquette. And then all of a sudden, like, Surfline and, and like, affordable professional gear and Surfline and all that stuff, all of a sudden there's everybody's on. tons of filmers on the beach and then, like, the footage that you're, like, saving for a film shows up on Surfline two days later. And Marine Lair spawned out of, fuck it, I'll be Get able to do it. <laughs> Get it out there. Yeah, so I just started, like, putting up um, kind of anything and everything. Yeah. And I didn't think it was who was doing the editing and stuff. You and your filmer between me and me and my filmer, Minnie. Yeah. Uh, and he's been Blanchard. with you forever. Yeah. Minnie Blanchard. Minnie Blanchard. Yeah. Um, a lot of the time, and I think that this like it wasn't on purpose, but I think like in hindsight, it had like a certain charm because he would edit something and send it to me, and then I'd like download it put a different track to it so it's like doesn't even like fit together but it kind of has like a maybe like a odd charm or something and, it, and were you doing the music too like were you guys composing like where were you getting your like, um so I was like a full music nerd when I was a kid yeah um and now it's all so accessible like yeah but so what, what were I you playing like oh no you? not playing okay. playing just like digging for like random bands that like never got there like yeah i'd like go sift through cds and then limewire came around and i spent hours trying to find shit on limewire and like <laughs> um and like i wanted to like learn about the band's story and where they were placed in the scene and like oh i don't know i was just a nerd like that like my other friends were like smoking weed and and like hooking up with chicks and i was like wake up before school and surf and then like research bands after school yeah. like, <laughs> that's kind of like an old soul right like, <laughs> I don't know but um nerd so then when it like came time to or then when like Marine Lair I had this like catalog of like tracks that I'd just be like oh that would be cool here and that would be cool there and I know that that kind of became like a big part of why Marine Lair like still people talk about it probably is because it was just different music it wasn't like um, yeah, it was eclectic, and it kind of was a little not your traditional like surf movie. Yeah, music. It's yeah. like it wasn't punk. It wasn't like alternative. I hate to say indie, like but you were yeah. very indie. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it kind of started with pavement. Um, pavement was like just had this oddball sound, and I and I like kind of like was interested in like why it was so like unique. And then I, like, found other bands from, like, oh, Pavement, like, that were from that same era, like, Modest Mouse, and, and then it just kept getting deeper into, like, just random bands, you know, that were from that era that never really had their, like, time to shine. But I think that's so important with, like, great surfing is the music. Oh, for yeah. sure. That, that, you know, to pair it together, you know? we always remember somebody's part in somebody's music, too. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Skateboarders and surfers. Definitely, like, super nostalgic, all the Taylor Steele. Yeah. Uh, all the Taylor Steele music. Yeah, if you can like, hear a song, I could, I could watch, I could watch, replay that whole like surf segment in yeah. my mind. Um, 
Summer Teeth. What was that? <laughs> I don't know, to be honest. I um, think I have Summer Teeth Thin still, like on a, a, a sick. Um, was that almost a brand? Or was it, was it a brand? Summer Teeth. I don't know. That was just like, I didn't I didn't understand any, I didn't understand what was going on, but um, basically, Qu- that was Quicksilver's idea. Oh, Quicksilver, Quicksilver wanted to do like, somewhere between like, my own brand, but a part of Quicksilver. Different era. I'm not sure, like, strategically what they were thinking, but I named it Summer Teeth. I don't know yeah. why. There's like a Wilco album named that, but I didn't really. I don't know. I have no idea why I named it that. Yeah. Um, because I think it's fucking really cool. Dude, people still like yeah. come up I and like want summer, summer like tell me they like summer like yeah. love the summer teeth. Shit. Summer teeth. Like those are things that that you created, right? Yeah. That make you that much more like. I don't know, interesting. And, and um, a- another thing to go, whoa, that guy's smarter than he fucking looks, and he rips so Not hard. really. Um, <laughs> <coughs> Summer Teeth was, was full Quicksilver's deal. They wanted me to have my own little Capsule. things. Like, like I said, strategically, I don't know what they were thinking or what, but... Um, and I did it for a few years. They're like, basically, like, what do you want to put on a t-shirt? I just do the most random shit. And like I said, people still, for some reason, dig it. And then they um, transitioned. That was when like Andy Mooney came in, I believe. Yeah. And he closed down. Well, I was like a sister company with Kelly's, not Outer Down, what's, what was the Visitor. one? Visitor. Visitor. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we like used the same people and re- yeah. yeah. And I think Andy Mooney came in and shut both of them down, and I was kind of like, whew, because I was like, I got no more ideas. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Pressure's off. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's so smart for Quicksilver to try to, you know, you know, bring you guys in to kind of do your own little yeah. deal. I mean, Quicksilver at the time was massive, it still is, but it's like, hey, we gotta, we got to stay core mm-hmm. and have something for that, you know, stuff that identifies with you. But, you know, fast it's, forward to today, and, you know, now you're... Kind of repeating it, but now it's yours. Yeah, it, it's a bummer, you know. And what what has happened to Quicksilver, like being sold and licensed? But I mean, we, it's a bummer because it's such a, a big heritage brand for the industry. And so much history. And I don't really want to see it go away. Uh, and you've had like both of you guys both wrote for them, you know, for yeah. many many years, and they've done a lot of good. They brought a lot of good things to our industry, and hopefully, some of the stuff that that that's bad, um, we can we can all learn from, right? Yeah. So, so now, fast forward. Were you gonna say something? Um, I don't know. I just mm, I look at how I like exited Quicksilver after like going through it with my own brand and stuff, and I'm like. I was such a fucking asshole. Like, <laughs> such an asshole. Yeah. And I just didn't, I don't know. I Asshole's I don't know if everyone's like this, but I, like, look back, like, five years, I'm like, what? What was I thinking? What was I thinking? Yeah. Like, I was such a fucking asshole. <laughs> you, 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 yeah, you... Just with, like, sponsorship and stuff and, like, going on stage and just completely clowning the company that's, like, paying me, like very handsomely to represent their brand and I like thought it was just like a stand up thing I don't even know I was 
such an asshole. But that's what people love about you. I know, but it doesn't. It's still not cool. And as as, well, a, as a professional and as an owner, you know, you'd want people to, you know, that you're sponsoring, yeah. give you that most sure. respect. And you don't want to bite the hand that keeps no, you. No, I did. I yeah. bit the hand many times, and yeah. I was lucky yeah. that they. But, but your, you know, your surfer pole, like, you know, speeches, like everything, I, you know. They're, they're, they're going to go down in history. <laughs> I mean, the app, like. <laughs> I can't watch that. It's so cringy. <laughs> you, you, you know, it's like. I know, I know other people like it for whatever reason, but I, it's, I don't know. I've matured to the point where I'm looking at that person, I'm like. You're a fucking dick. <laughs> you gotta, you know, you gotta grow up, you know. Yeah, and, and but you, 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 you learned, you learned yeah. and grew up, you know. Like, you, you're kind of, you're. I look at surfing like people that are really successful as like a childhood actor because there, there, there's no other sports totally, like out yeah. surf, skate, and snow that that get these contracts and this money and this accessibility and this fame yeah. at such an early age. So you kind of just like you just got thrown into like. The Hollywood of surfing, you yeah, know, yeah, kind something of. Like that. I, something, I don't know how to like, you know. Definitely very. For, I feel very fortunate, and and uh, very fortunate and uh, grateful now. And I didn't feel that way when it was happening. It's all, yeah. <laughs> you know. I was like, well, it's good you can reflect now and, and make those, you know, know know the the rights and wrongs, and you know, yeah. hey, it's. I, I would never go back. There's a lot of stuff we do. That well, we Bob could. and I came and shook my hand today, so that's cool. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Good, that's you. Well, it's, you know, it's crazy because Bob McKnight is also a surfer and he's also a businessman. He's also a smart guy, right? He's yeah. Like, deep down, he's a fucking good guy, right? Totally. And uh, it's just crazy because, you know, if you think back of, of what Quicksilver, how it was created, right? How him and Hackman... Hackman ate a fucking boiling a napkin to get the licensee from Australia to do US. Did you hear about that? No, I don't know that specifically. Yeah. Like, pretty much like a handshake and do this and you got the licensee from Bruce America. Raymond said, if you eat this fucking napkin, I'll let you have the licensee. <laughs> what, LSD? No. I'm sure, there was, I'm sure there was stuff. Oh, just ate a napkin. <laughs> ate, ate a napkin. Oh, I thought you were saying like a no, dabber or whatever. <laughs> no, like they, I think there was like a, hey, this is our contract. Like, you know, yeah, how okay. serious are you? But but the, the fact that, you know, Bob got a box with like a template of like a board short pattern and like, yeah. there you go. Buttons. And a couple buttons and Velcro yeah. and like, go, go get it made. Yeah. You know? And Pretty rad. You know, the DIY, you know, DIY, like, do-it-yourself kind of mentality was, it's still, like, that's how you got to kind of start today, even, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you just got to figure it out. You said, you know, you've you've learned so much while starting your brand, and, you know, you, you don't really have a, a, like, a book that you're going through of, like, a, a business book of, like, yeah. you're just figuring it out. Totally. Um, chapter 11, your shop in Ventura. Uh, Yep. So, tell us about that. Like, what? Because you already have former. I do. Right? And then, what? Well, I know you said chapter you wanted to create a, a space for. Chapter eleven started because I have this. I have this thing where like, you see like a thirteen-year-old ripper, and you're like, ah, fuck that kid. He's like too eager, and like, just like, ah, like go away, whatever. And then like. Then they're like 17 and you start talking to them and you're like, ah, god damn it, I'm an asshole, this kid's cool. And um, so there's a couple kids in town, um, kind of actually 
my brother kind of played a role as well. This was like right before COVID. Um, and I like reconnected with my brother. We had like a long, like weird relationship that we didn't really talk. And then he was pals with these kids. Basically he was mooching off them the way that he did, used to do to me, but he'd like bring him a pack of beer and ask him for a wetsuit kind of thing. And But we surfed together a ton, like right before COVID. And um, these kids that I was like, kind of like, Kids, like, oh, whatever, and then I talked to him, and then I was, oh, these kids are cool, shit. And I just started talking to him, and I was actually like asking him lots of questions because I was starting to be a former. I was like, like, what do you what guys do you like? Like, like yeah. these are like cool kids. Like, what do you guys like? Like all this stuff. I was like, if you're gonna put out like a video, where are you gonna put it? And they're like, I don't know. And I was like, shit. I'm hiring a filmer to come down here and film me. Might as well like create a platform with these kids that I'm surfing with every day. Yeah. So that's kind of where Chapter 11 started, and I used the name Chapter 11 because of the film Chapter 11. I just liked it. Yeah. I wanted to call it former Chapter 11 to be honest, um, but there was a group of us and we all had to agree and yeah. ended up former. But um, I think the M11, you know, like your you know MTV logo with the, the it's genius. Yeah. Really, it's, I can't tell if I should retire that or not. No. If it's like no corny. No, it, it's, it's because corny. It, it kind of bridges a gap. Like a lot of people think it's just a reality like TV channel, which it is now. Yeah. But we grew up and it was like only music videos. It was like it was oh, I spent a lot of time on MTV. Yeah, it's watching. one of the most influential things in our for sure. Era. Yeah, it's, it's it's the Instagram of back then. Yeah, right? it, it's huge. So I mean, we talk about like the surf shop culture of growing up and having that kind of like clubhouse atmosphere you go in yeah there's business being done but it's a spot we could hang watch surf movies like you know it's kind of like a boy you know surfer clubhouse is that totally. kind of the, the, what you guys set up well so <laughs> I started this um, it started as just a platform of doing videos and yeah. I had like I hadn't been putting out anything for a while just because I wasn't like thinking I was surfing very good so I had this like couple years of footage to just, and I just like started cranking out videos with the, all the stuff and like did a really cool video with Aton that like connected where he's like surfing when he's 13 and I catch the next wave and like really cool video with Aton and then I did a cool video with this kid Mickey um, and started like incorporating them. It was kind of like Marine Lair, but I wanted to like raise them into the, into it. Yeah. And and then I'm paying for filmers, and they're like taking my waves, and I was like, <laughs> I have young kids, and I'm like, I only have this like little window to surf, like, just give me a fucking set, dude. And I started getting resentful because I was like, started doing some merch to pay for filmers, and then I was like running out of my garage, and I was like, fuck you guys, like, you guys gotta do some of this work. Um, so I looked for a place in Ventura. Wasn't intending on having a storefront at all, just looking for a somewhere where I could do the online stuff yeah. and found a spot for like cheaper than like a warehouse and it had this sick little retail space and signed the lease um, started doing like I was trying to get my buddy who has a print shop to get to my order but there was a skate shop that opened at the exact same time and he just was rant, like just just cranking out the skate shop's gear and I couldn't get him to get to my to my order 
So I had like a shitty little hobbyist screen print machine in my garage that I brought to the shop and we all just started like making our own shit. And from there, it's like we've turned into a full-blown print shop yeah. and it's like really cool, like sort of clubhouse, but these guys are like learning how to make shit. I'm learning always too, but like we screen print and embroider all our own stuff, all yeah. the chapter 11 gear. Just kind of happened like that. I mean, it, to learn a skill set like that at a young age, to know that that like a backup plan, you know, because I'm sure these kids are like, oh, I just want to be a pro surfer and I yeah. want to be you, and I just want to be the you know. Academy of Idiots. Yeah, but <laughs> for sure. But but uh, I mean, these things down the line, these kids are gonna go, fuck, I learned a lot. From yeah, you. I'm just having okay. fun. This is cool and interesting, but it, they are learning something that can parlay into, yes, you know. So with chapter 11, I'm kind of like flying by the seat of my pants because, like I said, I didn't intend to have a storefront, Yeah. but it's been cool, like kind of like a flagship store for, because I put in like everything that I'm affiliated with, I put in the store, like uh, former chapter 11, Fuel Wetsuits sponsors me, uh, Vans, Channel Islands, my wife's brand, Trash Boy, uh, so it's kind of like a cool flagship store. Can we ask you about Trash Boy? What's, what's that about? <laughs> <laughs> Trash Boy. Trash Boy started when my son was like two and was obsessed with trash trucks. It's like, it's very common. But we developed a friendship with our trash man, who we still, right before I came here actually, we still like give him a I lemonade or whatever. We see Brad, dude, he comes to my kids' soccer games. He's like, Shit. yeah, so it started with my wife posting photos with our trash guy, Justino, um, and using this like, um, like GIF said Trash Boy, and it was like fiery, like look, like meant to look like Thrasher logo. Yeah. And a bunch of people were asking her like, make a shirt, make a shirt. I think she made maybe made a shirt out of it for my kid. And like a ton of people are at requesting for her to make it. She's like, I bet five people will buy it, but I'll like do a pre-sale. And like hundreds of people bought it. No way. And then she's kind of just used that as a creative outlet. Like she, she's really good with Instagram and like creating stories around our kids and life. And, yeah. and so then she creates like merchandise around it and people buy it and she does good. <laughs> That's um, so radical. <laughs> is that, was that the precursor to your beanie, the flame beanie? No, flame beanie. I don't know where that came from. Cause that was <laughs> fucking phenomenal. The ice, ice. Yeah, dude, that one was dude, so fucking hilarious. The commercial or the video yeah. you produced for that. Yeah, that was all Hunter. I was like, Hunter so Martinez. Hunter. Yeah, that he he came up with that idea and and we just your, shot that. Your acting is like hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> well, it stems from real life, uh, <laughs> real life experience. The the, the whole like. You know, you have the BD on, yeah. and he's like, and you're like, sell, you know, selling product, and you just keep laughing, and you just keep getting more and more, and just like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> like, he's not only one of the best surfers on the planet yeah. ever, but he's hilarious. Yeah. And, that, and that's like the, you know, icing on the cake, because you got the content on the surf side, but when you do creative, fun, skit stuff, and you know from Taylor Still well, movies yeah, and all that, I love the it's, skits it's and like, kind of, you gotta, you gotta make yourself and your, you know, people you're with, like, make them feel uncomfortable and do something funny, and it, it all works out. It's so hilarious. Dude, we don't want to take them. Yeah, no, time, dude. This is um, funny story with the, with the fire ice beanies. Yeah. Um, so, first we did the skit, 
And it's crazy how much marketing works because those things went nuts. Yeah. And it's all because of the skit. The next one, um, there's this dumb like uh, Snapchat thing where you explode people. Yeah. So the next one, we were like tossing the beanie at stuff and exploding it. We called it like the explosive beanie. That. Yeah, yeah. So dumb, but it's funny. It's yeah. hilarious. Everyone laughs. It's so funny, like to blow people up with a beanie. Um, <laughs> we were we were at Lele's, and uh, Hunter had a few mai tais or something. And John John walked in with, like, his, <laughs> his crew. Yes. And and Hunter's like, I'm gonna get John John with the, I'm gonna get John John. And I was like, No, don't, please don't. Hit him with a beanie. Yeah. I was like, Please don't. <laughs> and next thing you know, he's walking over to John John's table, and he tosses a beanie and at him. Who's, fil- who's filming? Him. Like he's you like do oh, it like this, and you like toss it, and then it like explodes. And yappy too. <laughs> Hey, what's happening? How are you? I'm good, mate. Long good. time no Yeah, see. how you been? Talking to the boys. Yeah. <laughs> Give them the scoop. Yeah. So, next thing you know, he's walking over, tosses a beanie at John John, and then our table at Lele's, like, roars in laughter. And John John's sitting there, like, baffled. Like, what the hell just happened? Because totally. he doesn't know the skip problem. No, not yeah. at all. <laughs> And was he's just like, what? he was blown away. <laughs> just caught off guard. Just didn't know what the, what was going on. And then, of course, was his that's very embarrassing. Was if, like, as someone throws a beanie at you and then a table of roars and laughter. It's so, so, I felt so terrible. Did <laughs> um, you? We spent the whole rest of the night trying to, like, blow it over. Yeah. And John John was totally sweet. His buddies wanted to kill Hunter. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Light, like, totally reasonably should have killed Take him. Take him out on a golf course and freaking... Totally. Give him a because That's fucking hilarious. Did, did, you guys smoothed it over? You guys gave him some drinks? Totally smoothed it over. Yeah. We should have bought him drinks. We did not. I don't think they were drinking, though. They probably not. It was Color Rothman's birthday or something, but... So lame of Hunter to do that. It's so funny. Did they make it in the like, video? Huh? Did they make it in the video? We never... No. Never it no. I... No. <laughs> You didn't want the, 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 the ramification. I don't, I don't want You wanted to surf in Hawaii? No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, his his um, friends wanted to kill Hunter. And Hunter was walking on eggshells the whole rest of the trip and just wanted to get out of there. Uh, <laughs> so embarrassed. That's and, like, funny. That's hilarious. Too many Mai Tais. But sorry, John, John, and crew. Yeah. <laughs> my, yeah. Sorry yeah. for my hey, friends. It was, it was all tongue in cheek. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> We're just out of shower, people just cruising by. Um, so let's go back to former. You know, you're here. Yeah. Boost yeah. uh, blowing up. You got, you got a, a bunch of, I don't even know, flamingos. Flamingos in there. Can we just, yeah, I'm Tom. Just, I'm, I'm just going to turn this over and look at this flamingos in there. That's a former booth over there. He's got some. That's his crew. <laughs> so it's how many years? You started in 2019, former? No. No. Now you got. Well, it took us a while to launch from the initial idea to actually having product to sell. It was maybe this is normal, but probably like two, uh, 18 months to a year. Uh, 18 months to two years, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Outside of printables and doing actual like product, or well, I wanted to do printables straight off the bat, but the crew that we had assembled 
had like a fashion idea yeah. that that would kind of like dilute our brand if we were just doing printables yeah. to launch. So do a capsule, like a real collection. Yeah, and it did do well at first, but we just had this crazy bad rhythm of not being able to get product for another. Like we just lost the rhythm instantly. Um, but anyways, we had a, as most brands do, like pretty tricky start. Um, yeah, COVID, I mean, you know, like just whether you're big or small, it hurt, you know. Yeah, totally. Everybody. Hey, they're fucking surfers. Yeah, we're fucking surfers. Skateboard is a surfer starting a brand not knowing what the hell to really do, right? You like, you're oh, on the I just figured we just make, make cool shit and everyone buys it. <laughs> That's all I thought it was. <laughs> wait, wait, it's like, oh, look at Dave Reynolds. Mar- mar- margin and wait, we have to get what's whole, so we have, they want to buy it? No, you yeah, know, no. Like, yeah. Shipping costs? What are shipping costs? I know. Totally, yeah. totally a, a crash course in business. Yeah. Um, but we've got really good guys now that are, are uh, have legitimized it and took our idea and created a functional business around it. And um, yeah, I'm really stoked with our team at the moment. It's cool to, cool to see um, the brand grow yeah. and... Um, have some legitimacy. Yeah. Well, we love it because, I mean, this is, we both come from the industry. We all three come from. And we all work for different brands and we just want to, yeah. And the culture and we've lived it and it's neat to see guys like you create your own companies and, you know, you're ringing the register at the shop. So you're not just contributing to yourselves, but you're helping the retailers, retailers, you know, diversify their portfolio mm-hmm. so and I know I think I think uh, it couldn't happen to a, a better group of guys yeah. you know like Thank you Austin I wish Dylan was still around um, Craig yeah. Anderson I mean it, it's bitching to see that but, uh, yeah because we're all fans you know yeah. we're in this little industry I mean it's a big industry when, you know depending on who you talk to but it's like it's just cool to see like emerging brands that's what, I, that's what I've realized is how little the industry is yeah um, <laughs> Just as far as like, I guess, it's right. We're like people, people. key people, it's so small. Yeah. And like, I just when I was with Quick, just didn't see that it was such a cool, special little industry that I was like throwing a wrecking ball at. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Isn't it crazy how spoiled you were? Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Very spoiled. Like yeah. insanely spoiled. I had no no like real life experience. I was. Gross since I was 15, like. But you know what's, what's <laughs> well, I had a lot of real life experience, but not. Yeah. Um. I guess like accountability. Uh, I don't know what the right word is, but. I remember um, I did an interview when I was like 16 or something, like a checkout, check me out or something like that. Transworld or something. Something, but anyways, I said my dad is just a businessman, and he was like really offended by that. Wow. And I was like. That's all you are. What do you mean? Like, <laughs> like I didn't understand what business is. Like, what, what specifics? You know, like no, he's just a businessman. Yeah. But I just didn't understand You're the just, back end of the surf industry that was providing me this lifestyle and this yeah. like I didn't just didn't didn't see it. There was a curtain. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, you know when you're. Dan Reynolds and you're, you're you're one of the best you know most successful pro surfers ever. Get spoiled, you know. Spoiled. Yeah, no, it, it definitely. But what's really cool and endearing even more, yeah, you know, 
you didn't look spoiled. You just looked like it seemed like you were and you weren't trying to be, you know, disrespectful or but you you were like I kind of get it. You, you were humbled. You're humble, and you were getting all this accolades, but you didn't want it per se, right? You want to know? Honestly, <laughs> my brother actually plays an odd part in this. Like, if I was really to like pick it apart, because he was like always struggling with different things. His life was never like put together. He like. He didn't have a passion like Dude, surfing? Tile. No, he surfed. Surfed. When he was doing good. Um, but I had this weird guilt. Like, I couldn't, like, embrace my success. If that makes any that's sense. What I, that's what I was going to say. It's like, you, you have so much talent, and I'm sure people are, like, throwing shit at you all the time, and it, like, almost makes you feel guilty about it. Totally, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Dan, 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 everybody wants a piece of you, yeah. you know? And in and, and, and our eyes, it looked like, you know, you stayed humble, like, hey, I'm a, I'm a Ventura, you know, like, surfer. You stayed... Ventura definitely keeps you humble, yeah. too, though. You, it's, it's different these days, for sure, but... Um, but it was definitely like, not San Clemente or, or yeah, something where they, like... Where they... Uh, embrace like professional surfing and and the surfers success they want to like tear you down and you're the guy that's exploiting their spots and like fuck that guy filming like that's kind of what I grew up into so there's also like you don't want to flaunt yeah no logos on your beard no wetsuits no fucking flash park in a weird spot and paddle out in a weird (laughs) spot and like your filmer hides out and like (laughs) yeah there's definitely a portion of just growing up in Ventura that that keeps you humble for sure um, it's changed, but it still has that sort of grit in, yeah. the, in the in the water at some spots. For sure. Um, I was standing that. next to Carter Slade the other day. Do you guys know Carter? I heard the name. Yeah, I, know, I, I, don't I thought know. that was like a myth. Carter, Carter Slade? Slade. <laughs> no, Carter. It's a real. Carter's person. hilarious, huh? He's a real person. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's like, he used to make surf videos. Oddly, <laughs> um, he famously. Went to jail for um, for uh, a altercation in the water at Silver Strand. Um, but anyways, I was standing next to him, Chase, uh, checking the waves the other day, and a kid walked down with a filmer. <laughs> he just started heckling him. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, dude, I gotta go, Carter. Like, yeah. I can't be standing next to you and you're heckling him. <laughs> he was saying the funniest things, though. I, he's clever. He was just like saying stuff in Spanish about doing, I don't know, dude. Yeah. <laughs> the guys are like, what the, what is happening here? I'm just trying to go film my friend surf. You got those characters on every beach for sure, you know? Well, shoot, man. This is awesome. Hey. We're going to have to do like a proper, like, yeah, yeah sit this down. This is an appetizer for a real sit down. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I have anything else to say. No, oh, no. no. We'll, we'll, we'll drag it out of you. No, no, I already embarrassed myself enough. <laughs> no, because, I mean, there's just so much to talk about on the surf side and trips and, like, events and, and contests. There's, a, you know, a whole other... Yeah, definitely. You know, to just surf, you know, surf and business. I mean, there's a lot more to talk about, and we appreciate your time. Definitely my, yeah. like, generation, like, uh, of surfing is so different than now. And, yeah, I mean, dude. years were different than... How old are you guys? 
No. <laughs> wow, you aged. <laughs> wow. 49. Thank you. 49? Yeah, I'm 49, yeah. So I'm 10 years younger. I'm 38, but definitely there would probably be a big generational turnover from you guys to so me, but like, man, it was so different when I was from 15 to 30. Like, jeez. Yeah. It's hard um, to relate like 15 to, to like 20. Six. It's and like, the kids these days, yeah. it's so hard to relate because they're just on their phones all, all the time. I know. Yeah. It's kind of sad. It is. Super but, sad. you know, we'd love to just talk about board design and what you've created. Yeah. And, and, and just there's so much other cool things that you've, you know, kind of helped the industry conform to, you know, like thinking outside the box and, the, and you're surfing. So we'd love to have you back on another time and come up to Ventura or something. Sure. And yeah. Yeah, maybe time. do it at the, the clubhouse, you yeah. know. Uh, but uh, we're at Surf Expo. We're gonna have more more guests coming. But yeah. thank you for your time, dude. Yeah, no worries. Honor, for, uh, <laughs> for, congrats uh, on all your success. Yeah, no worries. Congrats on the brand. Thank you. Check out Farmer. Check out uh, what else do you want to promote? Like anything? What do you Chapter got? Chapter Trash Boy. Yeah. Trash Boy. <laughs> Chapter Eleven. Go buy yeah. a dumpster diver. There you go. <laughs> all right. Thanks, bud. All right. We're here with Mr. Evan Caples. Hi guys. Hi. Ventura? Ventura. Ventura, California. Yes, sir. Yep. And he is uh ex-pro surfer. Yep. Uh, business owner. Business owner. Uh, he's actually a couple here different businesses, right? Yes. Expo. Uh, his first entrepreneurship was Momentum. Yeah, yeah, I own Momentum Ride Shop. Um, it's it's 21 years old. It's in Port Wyneme, California. For those of you that don't know where Port Wyneme <laughs> is, like, it's uh, it's there's a surf spot called Silver, Silver Strand right down the street from my shop. So, puts a little location to the horrible name. Yeah, they they know that spot. A lot of yeah. people know that yeah. spot. Too many people sure. know that spot these <laughs> yeah. days. Cats out of the bag. Yeah, and uh, you have a newer business venture. Yes, so I, uh, I founded a hair and skincare brand called Kelson Products. Uh, we launched back in um, November of 2019, and I'm doing that with my son, Curran, Sean Malto, uh, Mikey February, Jack Freestone, and Cassie Mutal. Wow, and um, that's a good crew. Holy smokes. Yeah, heavy yeah. hitters. Yeah, yeah, we, um, we, we got to a bunch of like-minded people together, and what we're doing is we're making high-end hair and skincare products for our lifestyle. For instance, we have an amazing uh, zinc paste sunscreen and uh, a way to remove it with without water. So we brought something a little different to the market, and um, it's it's gone really well. When did you start that company, Kelsey? Um, Starting in uh, November of 2019. So the timing was, you know, <laughs> epic as you, you know, yeah. you know the rest, yeah. right? Yeah. And were you always into skin, like, you know, you always thought about doing a sunscreen brand? No. Or how'd, how'd that come uh, about? It, it came about with Curran and having, you know, very, like, luxurious hair that I, I, I didn't oh. get from me. Um, the part down the middle and the golden locks. Yeah. yeah. Like, when you type in surfer hairstyle, Curran pops up. Yeah. Like, literally. In, like, in on reality. Google search. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh. And, and skateboard. Surf and skate, that's your dude. So, he... Um, he got signed by Target, and and it was it was kind of a funny kind of a story how it went down. Um, he got signed by Target on a Thursday, and then Saturday he's winning a contest in 
Michigan, like a Ryan Sheckler contest, and I went to take a shower, and I reached for the shampoo, and it just kind of, like, that's when the light bulb went off, like, oh my God, Kern's got amazing hair, he just got with Target, I don't want to take away from any of his paying gigs, like, wow, what if we made, like, oh. a hair skincare brand, and he's got, you know, the, 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 uh, the distribution, the, yeah. and, and that's kind of how it started out, but it didn't end up going with Target, because it took a long time to actually, you know, make bring it happen, it, yeah. and with that said, we were able to um, bring in the Mikey, and and, and the Jack and the Malto and the Cassia and uh, they're all they're all co-founders and um, we're, we're, we're trying to do it in the most ethically sourced highest quality manner possible so jumping back to your first uh, your first business the, the surf shop slash now it started off as a surf shop yes and then it became a skate shop or a bike shop or yeah so it started off as a surf skate bike or excuse me surf skate kayak store because you're uh, at the harbor like it's popular yes and my brother manufactured kayaks at that time and i was working at a store in malibu and um it was kayaks were booming like fish and dive kayaks so i wanted to back myself up because, yeah. like, you know, going out of business wasn't in the plan. So I'm like, hey, I'm just going to do it and we'll see where it goes. It did well. I ended up moving to a bigger store. We got rid of the kayaks. We went heavily into shoes and apparel. And that was 2005. We know the rest. Yeah. 2000, I got into uh, selling beach cruisers in, like, the 2008 time. And then I moved to a much smaller store in 2010 and it just slowly morphed into more of a bike shop. And I'm still doing surf and skate, but it's on a smaller level, but I'm still representing the best to my ability, but bicycling, you know, and components and, and the repairs of it, it's really what's keeping the door open and allowing me to do Kelson. Are you, do you do rentals there for like summer, you know, people traveling or just straight bike repair yeah. or tune-ups and stuff? Yeah, we, we, we sell parts, we do service, uh, and we sell bikes. Nice. And there's a full bike scene in, in our zone with kids riding Dixie bikes and wheeling. And COVID for any bike shop was massive. massive. So it's like, it's kind of funny how life takes you. You know, you know, you, you go on this journey just out of like sheer necessity and then it turns out to be like a crazy blessing in disguise. Yeah, yeah like I'm sure, yeah, you would love to have a killer like hardcore surf shop, but like doesn't make sense and then this turned into a successful business. So it's like, huh, all works out. Yes, I, I would love nothing more than to just strictly sell surfboards and skateboards. Yeah. But you know, the funny thing is, and this dawned on me way into my bike journey, all three categories it basically is what I grew up doing. Like I raced bikes before I surfed, I skateboarded, and then I surfed, and I do them all still. That's a California kid. Yeah, yeah that's it, what we did. Right. It, it was totally. I listened to this interview with Chris Cole. He's part owner of a BMX company called Cole, and the Barracks let him in in his crew, and a lot of them were talking about being skateboarders and and. And it just unlocked these memories that I suppressed about me growing up. And it was like, wow, I'm doing exactly what I grew up doing as a kid. And it wasn't planned. Yeah. Yeah. Were you a, a good student? No. <laughs> no, it's horrible. 
all I wanted to do was play basketball, or no, uh, handball, or I couldn't sit still, I got Fs, I dropped out of school. I'm from the valley, yeah. Sherman Oaks, so surfing was like... Not an easy trip, trip. No. Yeah. yeah. No, I didn't grow up on the beach. I, 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 I cut class, yeah. and I went surfing. I dropped out literally in probably 10th grade. So, but I went back and I got some college units and I ended up getting a GED, but yeah, yeah school was never that. So we, always, we always say surfing is like one hell of a drug and when yeah. you, you know, when it's not, even when you live by the beach, it's, you know, it's so accessible, but when, when you have it's to make, so addicting. yeah, when you have to make that, that track, it's going to like cut into other things when you have to make those commutes and that, and that, you know make it happen I, I've often said cancer and the the common cold probably would have been cured if it wasn't for surfing yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> they probably would have like we probably wouldn't be dealing with any of this stuff anymore yeah, yeah. so you're you know not ever not all you know everybody knows that you're current cable's dad um, you got him in as skateboarding surfing at, you know at an early age like he got himself in and oh Today's his 28th birthday. Wow. Birthday. Happy birthday, Curran. It's, uh, it's kind of nuts. He's actually 28? He's 28. He's older than me than, you know, when I, than my age when I had him. Yeah. Um, but no, it was not that at all. It was, it was just uh, having a skateboard at the house. Yeah. And me working full time in, in an industry, I want to know, I just, you know, trying to support the family and all that. He just gravitated towards it. And... I knew he would be pro at something. I didn't know if it was baseball. I didn't know if it was golf. The kid was a phenom from the time he was like four months old. Hand-eye coordination was off the charts. Wow. And I don't say that because I'm his dad. It was yeah. just like dribbling a basketball 25 times at eight months old. Running around the house at 10 months old with a golf club, hitting a ball nonstop, like not like baby shit, but like running and hitting it. Yeah. And then me overhand pitching him balls him being like 20 yards away from me, overhand pitching, and him hitting it over my head. So yes. I knew he'd be an athlete. In my mind, I wanted to be surf, yeah. surfing, of course. But he gravitated towards skateboarding. Yeah. And that was it. So it was like as, a, as organic as it possibly could have been. And then me as a parent and my wife just doing what kid wanted to do. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's what you want to do is just support your kid and whatever their, in, their interests are. Absolutely. I mean, it's... So, at what, uh, what age did you get a skate ramp in the backyard? I think uh, five. Yeah. Six. But luckily, we had an indoor skate facility in Ventura oh, called wow. Skate Street. And Skate Street was world famous. And it was... It, it, it's basically what shaped current to become the skateboarder he became. And, and, and as your YMCA kind of like go-to, like every city, day. yeah, city spot. Yeah. Every day, indoors. Yeah. And it's produced amazing skaters. It allowed me as a surfer to really, the way the terrain was set up, it was, it was real big tranny along with some street components. It allowed me to, to kind of teach him surf technique in regards to like transition and how like a surfer would approach it and compress and yeah. release it that I really think enhanced his progression. Um, that was the one thing I, I could say that I could contribute. I, I maybe contributed other than being there and being his chauffeur and his chaperone around the world. Yeah, that's amazing. It was cool. And then 
2019, you guys, form, you, you were in the shower, formulated a, a, a plan. How, how did you come up with Kelsey? Yeah, where's the name from? Wow, it, it was such a crazy journey. Because um, it's a cool name. Thank you. Yeah. So, we hired a company called Dynamic Dinosaur to build out the look and feel of Kelson. And one of the major components of it was a name exercise, which cost me a lot of money. And we couldn't figure it out. Like, coming up with a name for anybody who has it for a business, you think it's easy until you try it, and then everything's taken. Yeah, right? that's, that's the biggest thing is it's already taken, usually. Yeah, no URL. There's already somebody doing your epic, you know, name. Yeah. And my wife came up with it. No way. Yeah. So you spent all this money brainstorming. Yep. And then you end up going something that you guys on your own. Spent eight grand on this (laughs) exercise and my wife did it for free. Um, Basically, it's it's technically Kielsen and it's a a Nordic um, word for the underlining of a ship. So it kind of ties back to what we're doing, you know, we're surfers, so it's a maritime thing. So the Kielsen is the, 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 the structural integrity of a ship. It's, it's the big piece of wood that goes from, the, from the, uh, the aft to the stern, and it ties everything together. Wow. So it's kind of, I thought it was kind of... It's like the stringer, stringer of the boat. Yeah, that's it. Kind of. That's cool. Yeah. And I like the way it looked on a, you know, for a logo. Yeah. And stuff. Which is everything. Yeah. Right? It's got yeah. a, it's got a look and catchy and sound cool. Like Lennon said, it's a great name, you know, but like the logo looks clean and simple, like yeah. Yeah. Elegant. Thank you. Yeah, that, and that's and that's the that was the the whole you know, plan was to make an elevated uh, brand with the classy people that we have associated. Yeah. You know, there's already you know, brands out there with a, you know, a cute gorilla or a <laughs> monkey and, and, you know, and we wanted something a little more um, sophisticated. classy, sophisticated yeah. to match, like a Mikey February. Yeah. And, um, and, and also like with a bunch of, of uh, athletes to represent the brand. Yeah. You know? It was, it was, we had Julian Wilson at first, actually. No way. Yeah, Julian was, was on, uh, on board in the beginning. And then the monkey paid too much? <laughs> no, no, that was before the monkey, actually. Um, no, it, it was a long, long story, agents and yeah. things getting weird. So we, we, we went a separate route, and um, yeah, we enlisted Jack Freestone and, and, and Mikey nice. instead. He didn't do so bad. No, I think, I, think, <laughs> I think we made the right move overall. It just, you know, kind of going back to how you start on, with something and then you end on something else. Yeah. So you, you, you came up with the idea with the shampoo and the shower, but obviously being a surfer, sunscreen was going to be a main focal point of main product. What, what, like what other products do you guys offer within the collection? Well, it, you know, sunscreen really wasn't part of the play at first. Oh, it wow. was, we wanted to take our lifestyle and go in to the hair care product side on our terms, rather than like, you know, a Paul Mitchell coming in and poaching, you know, from our lifestyle and cooking out, you know, like someone's brand. Yeah. And and so we wanted to kind of flip the script and having like an authentic story, you know, for people, um, you know, for that, that 
business to kind of you know hoping it would it would uh, resonate with with them and so our shampoo conditioner and a pomade is what we started out with and all of them have seaweed and sea rock fennel and some marine components to them which are fully sustainable and great for your skin yeah so we we, we tried incorporating everything cool. that you know for the story that made sense yeah. but it was after COVID, or during covid it just shot us out of the water you know our funding ended ended when it was set to in march of 2020 and then i had to step in i was a founder but i didn't have a day-to-day role with the company and the person that was running the show bounced wow. and i was left holding the bag and this is you know my brainchild i i have most to win or lose with the deal i had to step in and then it was a natural thing like hey we need sunscreen we're surfers we're skaters our our you know our ties to the industry are what they are and it was uh, it was really the place to lay the foundation you know of the brand and and that's what brings me here to surf expo so we got into it and um turns out it's it's a it's a very hard category to be involved in sunscreen yeah. and it's gone a thousand times harder in 2024 with the FDA cracking down on small brands like us basically trying to stranglehold the industry for like you know your big conglomerates to, yeah. to peddle hormone disrupting cancer causing chemicals yeah, it's interesting Seriously. to hear that because, you know, you, you we hear it or you see it, you know, and if you can't, you know, you look at the labels on the back of stuff, you know, and, and you, you wonder if it's good, but you see it everywhere. And like you said, it's peddling of the big, almost pharmaceutical style, you know. Uh, and in general, companies. like the, the, the co-boom and bust has, has happened, right? And everything gets saturated and... It is a tough time for not just sunscreen category, but many categories. Yes, right. I mean we're all we're all feeling, you know, the effects of COVID and and um, people ordering too much and you know and and then people obviously with more money than they knew what to do with and then all of a sudden everything shrinks and back down to, to earth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, going back to what you just mentioned, Jay, about you know, the sunscreen and the chemicals, it's insane what these companies are selling us. Yeah. And that was part of it. It's like, it's hard for me to go into a market and and want to buy food knowing what I know now yeah. Yeah. through this. It, I just had to go eat a fake piece of pizza, yeah. you know, just now, because I was starving. And I mean, it just goes on and on with, with what we're left with, you know, as, as options. And that was a part of what Kelson really wanted we wanted to control our program and and not be not leave it up to, to companies strictly looking for money and not having our best interests and health in mind. And that's something I think that as human beings we really need to kind of look at a little deeper because we're getting harmed by the by the companies that you're putting trust in and yeah. you're giving money. And you think they're okay because they're certified by the FDA yeah. and they've been all they they have the the check marks and yes. the boxes and stuff. But they are pay, those they paid off the right people? Yeah, but it's, those aren't really necessarily meaning like it's safe or in long term. You know, da- you know, there's going to be long term damage that I guess they don't really yeah. look at. It's you know? in, it's insane. Yeah, it's it's pay to play and it's not for your. You know, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy guy or anything. It's like hey, I got vaccinated. You know, whatever. But it's 
in this in this space it is just that you have you know like these big giant companies that we grew up with like a Neutrogena or a Coppertone and they're peddling the worst products you could possibly put on your skin yeah. and you go to the beach and we've all seen it parents slathering their, their kids with with like copper tone aerosol. you know aerosol spray and it's like dude yeah. you, that kills cockroaches like yeah. you wouldn't and, and it's insane yeah. but we think we're doing good yeah so and that's what Kelson's trying to, to educate all we have to do when, when people think it's conspiracy is like well you remember when doctors used, used to recommend lucky strike <laughs> yeah yeah right. nine out of ten yeah <laughs> It's yeah. like doctors smoke, nine out of ten doctors smoke Lucky Strike. Yeah. And that was the thing. But at least then, right, they, they didn't know any better because it was so new. Yeah. You well, know, we, not, we got the data now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's, it it's, is. And it's got to be frustrating because, you know, you're looking at what you put into your products and it's all natural stuff that's, you know, from the ocean or from, you know, um, you know plant life materials or whatever and then you go look at some sunscreens and you can't even pronounce yeah. half the stuff on the back of the label yeah like what what is that is that's not even something that like what is that i can't even and like you said it's on food it's on all these products but it's yeah it makes you question and it's 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 a bummer to hear how, what you know the struggles it is as a small you know boutique brand to kind of deal with the struggles of of the corporate you know or the federal government's restrictions you know? yeah it's crazy it, it, it is and it's 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 stuff that I, I think people need to be made more aware of especially in our world you know it's like and and and, and who better to know sunscreen than surfers in my opinion yeah you know and and even for these surf brands to continue doing what they're doing knowing and when I say surf brands I'm talking sunscreen brands that are still doing still selling the stuff they're selling knowing what they're doing yeah. is pretty yeah. it's kind of messed up man. yeah well it, it's it's awesome to hear your point of view because you're passionate and you know you've dug in you've done your research and you kind of like you you, you know like i said you've been putting sunscreen on for 40 plus years you know and actually i haven't really? that's a funny part and 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 it, it was because one i would get pimples in my nose if i use like you know, as like a heavy, you know, like zinc paste tile thing, because I couldn't yeah. remove it. So that kept me from doing it, because literally every time I would do it, I couldn't wash it off properly, and I would get a, a zit that would literally pop out of my nose. If you had that, it's yeah. excruciating, you know. Okay, but then also, I just didn't really trust it, and I'm not that guy. I'm not trying to say like I'm this guy that's always questioned food and all that. I not the case. But the older we get, the the more we want to take care of ourselves and body and blah 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 so. yeah, and that's how it should be yeah. but I did have a couple things removed from my skin mm. that, that got me on that tip but then once I got into this and I learned about it it was like oh my god yeah. holy crap like yeah. th this is crazy sometimes you're doing more harm than good and, and that was something I heard on NPR one day I was driving and I just started laughing to myself going me being derelict and not putting sunscreen, so they say, was actually a benefit because of all the garbage. You're trading one for another. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. One worse for than a sun than a sunburn. Yeah. So here we are, Kelson <laughs> making the finest sunscreen known to man, and uh, 
Yeah, it's it's we make some good stuff. So, so, so uh, right now, you're here at Surf Expo. You're you're searching out new reps and new maybe new retailers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last year, if, if they are to get a hold of you, how do they get a hold of you? Oh, um, you can always DM us at uh, Kelson Products, and um, yeah, my email is Evan at KelsonProducts.com. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I I do have, or we we have reps, you know, um, throughout the you know the United States. There are some places that I definitely need help with. Um, yeah, and we have. Uh, a pretty decent account list as well. You want to give a shout out to any of them? I'm sure they'd appreciate it. Oh man, <laughs> I, I'm stoked on on everybody, all the brand or all the the accounts who have brought us in, but mainly the ones that have reordered. Hmm. I, what I've learned is it's 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 definitely a win to get into an account, but it's a much bigger win to get a reorder because then you know the people behind the counter are actually pushing the brand, as you know. It's, we're, we're a new brand. We don't have, you know, the name recognition. So we impress the people behind the counter enough for them to tell somebody, yeah. you know, what we're doing. Yeah, they're, they're, they're your soldiers at the front line. You know, yes. Kind of speaking the, the brand and the language and, and, and the benefit. I want to say that I saw Proof Lab. Proof Lab, yes. Shout out to Cody and Proof Lab. Yeah, Cody Anger. So Cody brought us in and it was, it was kind of more... I'd like to say, he's just like, yeah, cool. I, I like what you guys, the guys you have. And he brought us in. And then about a month and a half later, I look at my cell phone, I see Cody. I was like, did he butt dial me? Or is it another Cody? And it was Cody. And he, he's like, dude, I need more stuff. I need more stuff. Yes. And the reorder was solid. And and it's like, absolutely. I mean, for, for Kelson to be in a proof lab yeah. and to have them backing what we're doing yeah. and, and it doing well, I'm so hyped. Dude. So yeah, thank you so much. And Val Surf and and the Frog House and and um, gosh, we have you know uh, wave riding vehicles on the East Coast and and Brave New World and uh, yeah, uh, Bear uh, Bear Wires and and Cinnamon Rainbows and yeah, there's yeah. so many. And whoever I everyone I forgot to mention, thank you. Really yeah. appreciate it. Awesome. Well, dude. We'll end it on that, man. Yeah. And, uh, this is, like we said, a, a little appetizer to the to the main uh, yep. main course we've, of getting you. Uh, we've been back talking. Home. We've been talking a long time on getting you on and doing a proper one, and uh, we appreciate your time here. And love it. Thank, yeah. you, thank uh, you. Yeah, for showing up. Good luck on the best of the show. Yeah. Thank you for giving brands like mine and the industry a platform. By the way, yeah. you guys are doing a great service and thank it's you, entertaining man. stuff. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having cables. Chelsea Products. Peace. All right, we are back. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chucky podcast. We're in the Surf Expo. Surf Expo. With, with the one surf of the excellence. Most influential surfers of our time. Is that what they're saying? Present day. <laughs> uh, it's a second time we've had you on the show. Yeah, second time. Yep. And uh, we're stoked because you're here. Yeah, thanks. I'm stoked to be yeah. here. That's what we're here to talk about. You and your brand and what you got going on. How many interviews you guys do today? This is the third. You're the only one. Oh, that's it? Yeah. Three? Yeah, three so far. I thought you guys would be like 30 deep by now. Yeah. I gotta work. 
I have oh, yeah. mine too. Okay. We need projects. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, what are you doing? I'm just hanging out. Okay, yeah. cool. It's just here looking pretty. Then maybe I'll just go, you know, kind of find my, uh, you know, my own little gig over here, you know, do, do some sightseeing. So Ben, um, you're obviously everyone knows you write for Catch Surf, yeah, Bandit, uh-huh. um, Hyperflex, yeah. Um, now this past what this past year, you stepped into the realm of being. Another entrepreneurial venture with algorithm surfboards? Yeah, so um, I've been doing the softies for like six years coming up this year uh, with Wave Bandit. It's been great. It's been an amazing journey. But the thing is, from 2016 or 2017 till now, so many people that I have introduced to the sport of surfing have gotten good at surfing. Yeah. They have progressed. So they need to step up to a hard part. It's time for them, a lot of them, to step up their game. So I kind of saw that happening. A lot of people that, you know, I have people that DM me over the years, and I've, I've recognized, I've seen them talking to me over the years, and I've even seen kids who couldn't even surf in the beginning, and now they send me clips of themselves ripping, and it's cool. It's a cool experience. So I was like, kind of a lot of things happened at once. It was almost a perfect storm. Um, so I was riding for Super Grand Surfboards for like six or seven years. Um, Justin Cote is my guy. Great company, great group of people. Brian Brown was shaping over there forever. Um, so then Super Grand like got bought and sold twice or something. I'm not entirely sure of the whole story. But pretty much I was at a place where I was like, I don't know. I haven't been able to get boards. The boards that other brands have been giving me haven't really been clicking. So me and Brian reconnected and he shaped me a couple boards uh, just under his his manufacturing company, which is Algorithm. Um, and I was loving them again. I was like, dude, I forgot how good of a shaper Brian Brown really is. Where's um, Algorithm based out of? It's either Oceanside or Carlsbad. Okay, so it's right count, there. Same, same area that he was yeah, in. He it's didn't... the same area that he was doing the super yeah. brand boards and everything. And like... People don't realize this guy shaped for Dion Aegis, Clay Marzo. Like, this guy's gnarly. I didn't yeah. know that. Like, yeah, he's... And another tidbit, too. Wasn't the board with Luke Shepardson yes, one? Yes, it was. Brian May, an algorithm of Brian So, Brown. Brian Brown shaped the board that Luke won the Eddie on. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Yeah they, yeah, they mentioned that to me last time I saw him. I've been talking to them back in on the podcast, too. Yeah, yeah. cool. Now, I'll, I'll send them over here. Yeah. But, uh, so then... It was actually Brian's idea. And he was like, dude, what are we doing? Like, let's yeah. just, like, let's make a Ben Gravy surfboard line. Like, all the boards that you're riding are different than the boards I'm shaping for everybody else. And I was like... So it's not com- competing against, like... No, it's not. Other yeah. inline Exactly. Products, little, little something different. Because theirs are a little more, like, high pro, like, thin, small, yeah. like... High performance. Yeah. yeah. So, and then, not like, I... Not high performance, but... The, the boards are, like, world-class boards, but I just don't surf that way i don't surf high performance i'm not trying to fit four turns in i'm like if i get on a good wave i'm cruising down the line and maybe doing a car but mostly just looking for the barrel yeah but so i have i got the mid-length which is like my favorite one seven oh mid-length and then we got a fish and then a short board and we just introduced a barrel board but um yeah came to expo reception's been amazing yeah. a bunch of shops jumping on board and uh I guess here we are. We're underway. So yeah. It's happening. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Thank you. Well, let's, yeah. you know, I, 
We'll talk more about the board, but I'd like to talk about your last big adventure in the seven seas and seven days. Oh, yeah. I, I watched the journey, <laughs> and um, yeah, that was crazy. That was pretty amazing. That was, uh, Thank you. That was fun to watch. And Thank you. What, how, how did you birth that, who, how did you birth that idea? Um, so I have this, this like Rolodex of dumb ideas <laughs> that with budgets attached to them that I pitched to just, I pitched them to people over and over and Red Bull just happens to be one of my victims <laughs> and they're kind enough to let me pitch to them every year. Yeah. So I pitched the seven C's idea to them like three years in a row and eventually they were like, you know what, this That's might good. just work. Yeah. Because um, I think a lot of people are seeing in the content world like there's like hardcore surfing and there's high performance surfing that people want to like just watch and they want to analyze like how good John John is or like how crazy Nate Florence is that he charges big waves but there's also something to I don't want to call them challenges because it's not it's not like a it's not like a Mr. Beast video or something you know what I mean but it's like it's like a little bit of like a storyline I guess like yeah. here's the setup but it is, is a it, challenge it's like can it, you do it can yeah you, is it possible yeah. but it but yeah. it's it's more of a personal and just you know a bucket list kind of exactly yeah. so which that's, no one else is gonna do <laughs> <laughs> well, the good thing about a lot of my ideas is nobody wants to know <laughs> and you need a big budget <laughs> so but yeah and and I just kind of I've been kind of flying that flag of like it's a fun storyline. People can get into it, you know. Like it's it's an interesting thing that no one's ever done. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I just have as far as the seven seas. Like after I did the fifty states, a lot of my ideas are kind of like checklist ideas. I don't know why, but yeah, just seven seas, seven continents. I have an idea for that. I have I don't know, just a lot of stuff like that. Like I like traveling, putting myself under the gun, like yeah. seeing if I can kind of rise above and pull it off because yeah. that's an interesting part which is appealing to your your you know what you do is it's you know yeah we want to watch surfing and we want to watch killer waves and barrels and this and that but it's the the journey and the, yeah. and the struggles of like like you said traveling this it sounds fun but it's not yeah. always yeah. very easy no, it's well, brutal to me you know i mean everyone knows you as the novelty guy mm -hmm. right? and you that's how you build your career the states and the different, you know, standing wave, pool wave, whatever wave, you know, river <laughs> whatever wave, wave, doing things out of novelty, and the seven seas things was different. Like, it was definitely a more, I don't know, like, gnarly, tangible, like, real surfing. Okay. And yeah. you got really lucky with certain spots. No, I forecasted that, yeah. dude. <laughs> sure you did. Um, when is it going off and all seas? Yeah, uh, yeah, the, dude, the Karamas thing, like, I can't even believe it. Just pulled up to Karamas and it was like a little overhead and just perfect glass, spinning tubes, nobody out. Well, technically, Japan, but we had been in Japan for a week. Um, but yeah, and then, because, and because the whole Japan thing like kind of wore me out and I was like this is bad I injured my leg at the wave pool in Japan and I kind of like strained my uh, I guess my hamstring muscle trying in air and then I was kind of just like honestly when I woke up to do the first day and then get on the plane to Bali we had already kind of like lost momentum 
and then when we woke up in Karamas and saw those waves, it was just back on. Yeah. Like we needed it. Needed a score. Yeah, we needed it needed so it bad. Yeah, cause yeah. no fun like being in, you know injured or just sore and like worn down. You yeah. know, like you gotta you gotta snap out of it. Yeah, and that was just the perfect. Had you ever been to Bali yet? Never been to Indonesia at all, dude. Really? So that's actually another part of it. I'm. Can you surf all islands, all Indonesia? <laughs> I have I have a hard time I have a hard time making the claim, but I do want to surf every country in the world, and I think it it's gonna be fun to do it through all these projects. Yeah. You know, because I got four new countries in that in that seven seas thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, then we ended up in Norway, and chances are. Europe in the fall or the winter is going to be good-ish, yeah. but then we ended up scoring that one day actually pretty proper, yeah. like not huge, but it's it's barreling. It was it's a good left. It's great, dude. Yeah. Going back to Bali and Columbus, like how amazing is that destination? It's a dream come true. It's a dream come true. The dude. waves, you know, there, there's waves that are are have some consequence. Yeah. But then like places like Columbus. Oh, it's dreamy, dude. It's perfect. I was like, I, you know what's weird too? Like, I don't surf a lot of great waves, so sometimes I like question like my skill level. And then I went out to Karamas, and I was like, oh my gosh, no wonder this wave looks so fun on film. Like, it's a roll-in. Yeah. Like the drop-in, if you drop in in the right spot, it's not a vertical face at all. You roll, and then the barrel goes like this, and yeah. it's like, and I was just like. What the yeah. hell? And at the right tide to end is like, yeah. you know, turn to air oh, to yeah. whatever, or dry reef. And it's like, <laughs> and it's like, um, like Jersey is harder entry point. You know what I mean? So we're used to just growing up where I grew up. We're used to like risking it all just to get into the wave, and then maybe we have enough speed to get the barrel. But Karamas was an eye-opening experience to me, like. I, I every once in a while have to remind myself that there are really good waves in the world because I spend a lot of time surfing like subpar waves. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. So it was a crazy experience for me, dude. Well, um, it's it's funny, you know, when you were talking about you know, New Jersey, El Slamo, uh, and the way that through you and other other East Coasters. People are finally realizing how much fucking quality waves—not waves of consequence, but waves with power yeah. and like, like real juice. Well, thanks yeah. to Surfline and everybody having an <laughs> iPhone. Well, <laughs> it's crazy nowadays. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know if like I actually used to think about that when I did the daily vlog. I would be like, dude, am I, am I showing? Am too I much. painting too much of the picture of how good Jersey actually is? Um, but I mean, now it's just over. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's whatever. Like everywhere you go, people are filming, that, posting. Yeah. Like, but that's just surf and history, and over the years, stuff everywhere totally. gets exposed. And I mean, it, you know, everywhere's crowded. And I think also 20 years ago, or let's even say when I was a kid, 15 years ago, I was like just out of high school. When I went on Surfline, they'd be like poor the whole day. And, like, we wouldn't realize that, like, the wind probably went offshore that afternoon, but they just weren't forecasting it. Now they're like, wind goes off at 1.05 p.m., like, be there, you know? And if it's going 25 miles an hour, you can actually get out there and surf a 15-foot face. Whereas when we were kids, we wouldn't surf till the next morning, and it'd be, like, four foot because it blew offshore all night. 
and we'd be like, Surfly blew it again. Like, they don't yeah. know what they're talking about. But um, it's crazy how far that technology has come. Um, there's yeah. always going to be the cold water divide, though. Yeah. Jer- like, a lot of people don't want to deal with it. Like the cold. I, I don't. <laughs> yeah. I think it's yeah, it's one of those things where if you're you're born and raised in it and you or you just do it every day, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh you know, kind of it's like riding a bike, oh I remember how cold it is and then you know, if you do it it's like, Oh, it's not so bad but it is. It just you kind of get a different mindset. Yeah, so absolutely. It's, it, it's just as hard every day to get in that. Oh yeah. It's like it's you gotta yeah. be really psyched. It was just really good. Are so much more manly and so much more <laughs> It was uh like you guys are dark. It was really funny to have Jamie because he came out like December one year for like pumping surf, New Jersey pumping, yeah. and it was firing. It was yeah. like eight to ten foot faces, spinning barrels up and down the beach, and he like rolled up to the beach. He's like, looks looks kind of fun. Like yeah, whatever. Like and then he just was like, his process of taking so long to get into his wetsuit and everything. And I'm like, dude, Jamie, you don't realize we have four hours. Yeah. Like. We have to go right now. Yeah. He's just like, what do you mean? He's on He's island. Like, well, <laughs> well, that's why it's like the winds stay the same all yeah, day. Or yeah. it's variable. It's like really predictable. Yeah. yeah. But he, he did it, did he, man? Uh, but that putting, I mean, putting on that like all that rubber and yeah. blood, it's like a whole different process of just putting on your regular three too. Like I just got my youngest. He's eight. Yeah. A five four hood, built in hood. Yeah. And it took us like. 15 minutes to like wiggle it on him and get it on and he was in there and he, he goes and surfs and he's just surfing little blackies like this big and we just came from Hawaii so two weeks of just board shorts to that super extreme he's all data I couldn't even duct dive like I'm so <laughs> floating buoyant. like he's out there just like floating because like, it's like the, the amount of rubber um, but you know that's a whole other aspect of surfing too that you've experienced I remember those battles dude when I was like eight my dad is pulling my boots on dude like but going and surfing like a lot of these places and traveling and having to carry that type of oh, yeah. you know equipment and gear is, it's crazy dude there's also like the, the factor of if it's like we get very top to bottom waves yeah. and the sandbars are like thigh deep, two feet deep, maybe three feet deep. And you, you could be standing there just taking eight foot waves on the head, yeah. East Coast eight foot, just over and over. You, yeah, you get Flush. flushed and it's it's a different experience for sure. Yeah. Since we're on the topic of getting pounded on that big waves, you were just out on the West Coast for the biggest swell of our, maybe even of our lifetime. That's what they're calling it. Yeah. yeah. It was, it, was, it was massive. Yeah. I've never seen Huntington. I was in I was out of town. I was in yeah. Hawaii. I was in And a friend was at the end of the pier, which it does break at the end when it's big. It was breaking two, three hundred yards out of that. Wow. In white water, like a third reef I've never seen. Wow. Ever. That's and crazy. it could have been the extreme tides and people were saying La Jolla that they, they were seeing reefs that they've never seen break ever. Yeah. So the swell and then I think there was a definitely some drastic tides to where yeah. that afternoon was low yeah. tide and it got maybe shallow enough on some of those spots but yeah you're, you're kind of a big wave charger now <laughs> like you know i know you've yeah. been training the last couple of years and you've been talking about it and stuff but i don't think we ever i, I think we interviewed you way before you did the towings at Avalanche. okay or himalayas yeah. or whatever okay that yeah. was like Oh, so we talked before that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I have done it quite a bit then since then. so much since then. But how fucking gnarly was 
Himalayas and Avalanche. Oh, it's nuts. And then, well, dude, I was there for uh, what they were calling Super Swell Saturday, the 35 plus, whatever. But then, and then the next time I went back, it wasn't quite as big, but then the next time I had to drive the jet ski the second time, and it was gnarly, dude. But it completely, surfing out there that day, totally changed my entire take on the size of waves, what's survivable. Because we towed, I think I was just sitting on the back and Jamie was driving, but we towed Kalani Chapman into a wave that I told them was 80 feet. And they were going, they were going, there's no such thing. <laughs> Stop exaggerating. And maybe it wasn't, but okay, it was on the back of that jet ski, I was looking back on that wave like, that man is dead. Yeah. And he got slammed, came up, and he's like, oh, that was another one. Yeah. And I was just like, this isn't real. Yeah. So like, what, like, like these humans. Superhuman. Yeah, how do they do it? Yeah, how do you, how do they get pounded, get work, get held under? And then pop back up, and they're psyched. And it's, when's the next one? I know. And it's it's uh, I think about it so much just because of like where I'm from. A double overhead wave where I'm from is huge. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And these guys just grow up in that, and yeah. they're just they, that's what they're used to, and they're used to that power. Yeah. And it's just like I was in Hawaii before I went to California, and Jamie didn't even surf the whole time I was there because it was like too small, not perfect for him. Like. And I was just like, he's like a JLR, like more <laughs> But I was just like, I was like, that's crazy to think about. There was a couple four to six days. Yeah. There was one big day at YMA. It was definitely triple overhead. Like there was, there was definitely windows. Yeah. They're so jaded. And he's just like, whatever. Yeah. It's not, yeah, yeah. you know, it's not going to kill gonna me. <laughs> it's not going to kill me, so I'm not out there, you know. Well, he probably thinks too. It's like why go get injured or worn out sure. or something could happen when, when you're going to go and you know pipe and th- th- those heydays are coming those, absolutely those, like diamond days are and then you're right because then like two weeks after I just saw the ways he was getting a pipe and I was like well yeah. it looked nothing like that when I was here like it wasn't <laughs> that perfect it wasn't like doing that it wasn't spitting like that but it's just crazy because I brought my buddy Will out with me and for us, especially for Will, because he had never experienced anything like that, those are like the best, some of the best ways he's ever seen. Yeah. And like for me, I'm like, it's epic, 10 out yeah. of 10. And it's funny to see like Jamie's take is, I'm, I'm good on yeah. that. Like you guys have fun. His and 10 is your 20. Yeah. yeah. His 10 but is like, 20. I don't want anything to do with yeah. it. <laughs> you know I mean? the mount, yeah, mount those guys fucking charge. Yeah. It's crazy. So, so going back to California, yeah, you were, you were surfing blacks. Yeah, and and you were riding a, a nine o. Ten it? two. Ten fucking two. Zeke's uncle's. Yeah, old old ten two. I, where does the paddle out on those days? Gauntlet, oh, dude. Like, <laughs> Yo, all the way to the left, but it was still like eight foot faces, just yeah. like and you how, just. How do you get out? On a 10-2. Dude, I would paddle as fast as I could, and there was a little backwash. I'd pick up speed and just go rhinoceros, just through it, and then eventually I'd have to swim. And I was diving, swim, 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 hope it doesn't pull my board. And then, you know, when it's a long period like that, you get a lull. Yeah. So then I would wait, get the lull, and just scurry out there. Yeah. Was there any point in time where you were like, oh shit, I'm dead, or, or are you past that, like? For that swell, I was good. I was fine. And that was actually, 
that was actually a big step for me because <laughs> like my goal when I went out there was to not be scared yeah because I was like I've seen so much gnarlier than this like I can do this yeah. and like black speeds can get gnarly yeah especially the it's left the gnarliest there in Ocean Beach yeah San Francisco are the two gnarliest beach breaks yeah for sure and yeah. and um Ow. And, like, I was kind of in that mindset of, yeah, if I can get through this without having that, like... Because, like, there was times when I surfed the Outer Reef in Hawaii, I didn't want to be out there. I was like, dude, it's not worth it for me. So, it was good for me to experience that big black swell and be comfortable the whole time. And I wish I had a smaller board, because then maybe I could have done, like, a nice look or gotten, like, a nice barrel or something. But that's what was on the table. I had the 10-2 or a 7-0, and I was like, dude, I... It's not going to do anything for me out there. So, so Laura and I were talking when we knew you were going to be here. And obviously, the Zeke video. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. So, what's his fucking problem? Um, Alright, so. You're saving it for a movie? I don't want to blow up his spot too much, but um, he was mad at someone else. Completely unrelated to me, right? And then I was like, kind of telling him like, you shouldn't say anything. It's not. It's never gonna be worth it, kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. But um, then when he did post it, he he posted the video like after I left or whatever. And then I was like, I mean, me and Zeke are good friends. Yeah. Like, it's tongue in cheek. But yeah. yeah, exactly. So I was like, all right, I think I I have an angle right here to kind of bust his balls and kind of make light of the situation yeah. as best as I can. And I actually think my post... No, I think it helped. Like, I think my post kind of brought a little bit of, like, like uh, fun to the situation. Yeah. But at the same time, then a lot of people started thinking his post was about me. Yeah. And yeah. then it got really confusing and, yeah. and weird, and I was just like, I'm out of here, dude. Just, I'm just going to let it, it be, you whatever. See, you see Luke's so yeah. That was hilarious. I posted it. That was so, so freaking good. I was dying. Yeah, that guy, when it, it was, you knew what he was doing in the beginning, and then he went to Google Earth. He started zooming in and down. I'm like, dude, oh, my God. Yo, the Ragland guy, dude, that, he is hilarious, dude. What? I, I can't love, believe it. Guys like him, you, Zeke, I mean, Jamie. Yeah. It's another, like, What's you know what's missing with, with our generation and older is magazines and surfing. Yeah. yeah. You, you know your guys' brand of, of content and it's, it's replacing that. Yeah, that there's something missing. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and there's so many like layers to our industry, and it needs to be all exposed. I mean, even the magazines yeah. back in the day, Surfer was the kind of more polished and totally. more exotic and surfing was kind of more useful and Transworld was just like fucking let's just do whatever yeah, crazy yeah. Transworld would call me Chris Cote would call me and pretend like he's some French like company and he wants to like sponsor me and this super bad American like <laughs> French like and this and he recorded it all or they give me like how to shave you know let's get let's get you know before the medina shit <laughs> and then just fun stuff but yeah it was absolutely like, you know yeah you guys bring a lot of that thanks fun stuff to it they did a, a weird uh editorial on him and he was painted all silver yeah it was silver, silver surfer. surfer and it was before the surf silver surfer came out it was they got it had been out but it wasn't like a movie was coming out. Like no, it, it got inspired. It was the, uh, I don't know what song it was, but it was a, 
it was a Chili Pepper song where they're out in the desert and they're oh, all yeah, like yeah, they're, they're, yeah. Uh, yeah. and they're okay. like oh we should do that with a surfer so it kind of was spun off of the okay. Chili Peppers video but yeah I remember remember they did the it was kind of like King of the Road Trans yeah. World did that yeah. thing yeah, yeah. What's that called? Because um, I think Duma was in it and he got a tattoo. Okay. On his, yeah. Uh, yeah. He got an HP tattoo on his. On his uh, <laughs> oh, that's on cool. He's more OG than I am. I'm not even have a tattoo in my own town. Yeah. So, City, USA? Dude, I don't want to take up more of your time. Yeah. Oh, good, dude. It's a good one. Is, uh, we need to, whenever you come back to Cali, we'd love to sit down and do a proper one. This is uh, kind of like an appetizer. Dude, I would yeah. love to. And um, with tell tell people that uh, yeah. our listeners like where, where they can be aboard and um, how to yeah. find them bengravysurfboards.com um, at bengravy underscore surfboards on Instagram um, you can probably just find everything on my blog youtube.com slash bengravy and uh, yeah we're at expo having fun late night Woo. with Chalky and what, uh, what's your subscribers um, Did you hit a milestone? 194. Yeah. Nice. I'm coming up on 200k. Sick. Going for the milestone. I might have talked to you before I even had 100, maybe. Uh, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, for sure. It might have been it was a while like, ago, yeah. dude. Yeah, you're coming up to maybe 100. Yeah. Um, you know, number counts are cool and everything, but I'm just, I'm so blessed that I can just live here, dude, and just do this. This yeah. is, it's a pleasure, dude. Yeah. It's, it's an unbelievable dream. I wanted to say this before we. Before we finish, you were talking about Bali being the dream destination, and I had these two young kids who were filming the Seven Seas with me, and every night I'd be like, "This is it, boys! Like this is the dream! Like this is what people dream about their whole lives! Like we're doing a surf trip around the world! Like this is the yeah. moment!" And like, I mean, they were they were taking it in, but I feel like I was really taking it yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just trying to get these groms to realize like how oh, special it was, dude. Yeah, it's gonna pass them by, and they're yeah. like, "Oh, we should have, could have, would have done more," you know? Like, yeah. What Penn like, said? Yeah. 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 When they're sitting in New Jersey filming a uh, commercial <laughs> in a pizza shop, they're gonna be like, "Harold Ben said." Yeah. That was worth, that. That was the dream, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but well, thanks, guys. The dream, dude. Yeah, appreciate yeah, you guys. Thank you for your time, Stokes. Thanks Woo! for positive uh, messages. You're we love it, dude. Yeah, bro. Peace. Ben Gravy, Ben Gravy Surfboards. And we're back. We're back at Surf Expo with one of the most entrepreneurial surfers slash businessmen from Australia. Stop trying to take away my intros, dude. Oh, Give sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Cheers to Jamal Cheers. Gray. Jamal Gray. Thank you. Um, Awesome. So you're right. here uh, representing a brand or two? Couple of brands. Couple yeah. of brands? Yep. Wearing a couple of hats. I only wear one right now, but the, first should have two. The, the main, your main company, your, your company's called Meet. It is. And going back in history, you've become, you have a long pedigree, long career of working for different surf brands and even starting your own. Jamal, what was your first job in the industry? Sweeping a factory floor. So, Sir, Sir Factory? Sir no, a clothing factory. Oh, clothing. Yeah, so my father is a tailor. 
and he's been making board shorts since the late 60s, uh, originally from New Zealand, and started a, yeah, started a brand called Tangerine Turtle in New Zealand before I was born. Tangerine Turtle. Tangerine Turtle. Can we talk about how the funny names that come out of like Australia? Yeah, it's not many funnier than that. I mean, I mean, I mean Billabong, Rip Girl, they're all pretty funny, really. Yeah, but yeah, no, but like Hot Tuna, yeah. the Hot Butter, Mambo, Mambo, Mambo Mingo, yeah. Piping yeah. Hot. Pipe, yeah, yeah. Just all the cool, iconic surf so, brands. So your dad surfed? Dad surfed, dad's in kneeboarder. Um, he rides a long, long board as well. But um, yeah, he's a great kneeboarder. I think he's like he's like the Shane Haran of Queensland kneeboarding. Wow. Meaning he got second in the Queensland kneeboard championships, I think, four times to a guy called David Parks. So, so truly the Shane Haran of kneeboarding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if Dad or Shane would be super stoked on that. But. Style and uh, second. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it is what it is, you know? Yeah. But um, that's cool. Yeah, so Dad was a tailor and then he had clothing factories the whole time I was growing up, so I literally grew up on a clothing factory floor and yeah, my first job was getting past the broom and told to sweep it, so super fortunate. Yeah. So you got introduced at an early age to surfing. Yeah. Now did you surf or did you kneeboard? Did you bodyboard? No, I've never kneeboarded, I've only surfed. Yeah, so my mum was a great surfer. That's no way. Yeah, um, and she's, she's a stand-up surfer, really good surfer. Um, she, yeah, apparently the story goes that um, her last surf, before she had my brother, Ryan, but you know, when she was six or seven months pregnant, she got barreled like five times on the one wave as well. Pregnant? Pregnant, yeah. Seven super months pregnant. pregnant? Super pregnant, yeah. How do you even paddle like that? Just to say? Yeah, like, she must have long arms or something. But yeah, no, her mum's a great server. Oh, you need paddling? No, no, she was just, yeah, just normal paddling. Wow. But yeah, so yeah, Mike Perry, who unfortunately just passed away last week, and I don't know if you guys know Mike, he was editor of Surfer Magazine for a long time, and good friends with PT, and good friends with my parents. But yeah, he told me that story. He and my dad were standing in the car park, and watch that wave and my mum came in and yeah mum didn't surf for maybe 10 years after that like they, she moved she sort of moved inland and didn't, didn't surf for like 10 years after that but she moved back to the coast and started surfing again and yeah so yeah grew up surfing Long story nice. and what was your first job after sweeping like did you stay within the surf yeah I've, I've literally only worked in the surf industry yeah which is yeah super fortunate pretty yeah pretty narrow sort of skill set I guess and did you did you dress like uh, stylely no you know did you have or did you just like every other surf kid just board shorts and t-shirt oh you know like every other surf kid you thought you were dressing stylish but you know yeah. whether or not it was is open but, you know, interpretation but dad make me these custom shorts or you know I think you would have like an upper hand on trying to like create sure. yeah. your own little style where yeah. was your surf
So he started producing four albums. And what was the uh, product class, cause classification? Because sometimes so different factories specialize in For something. Sure. Yeah, so we did a lot of different products, actually. So we did wovens and knits. So we did a lot of t-shirts, and we did a lot of board shorts, jackets, and yeah, sort of most, most categories. But yeah, probably specialized in in the woven categories. And nice. yeah, Dad's always been a board short guy. Um, and yeah, like I said, he's a tailor, so like he's, Sort of one of the few people in the industry that, pretty much in my opinion, it's like him and Sparrow from Rip Curl are like the only true tailors in the industry. Like everyone else. Pattern, pretty much what you mean, pattern makers. makers and, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's been, and when I say that, obviously there's been a lot of other pattern makers in the industry, but like people of sort of uh, influence, I guess, that are like pattern makers. Even funny story actually is like Gordon. I worked for Billabong for a while and I was doing board shorts at Billabong. Gordon said to me one day, he's like, oh, your dad taught me how to make patterns. I'm like, no, dad's never told me that story. I don't know. Yeah. He's like, no, I talk about your dad's board shorts and that's how I learned to make patterns. <laughs> Which was, yeah, love his honesty in that. But yeah, it's sort of, there's a lot of shapers that sort of got into making clothes and whatnot. But yeah, dad sort of came from the product and, yeah. and yeah. then he actually learned the shape as well. He shaped a lot of boards in his career too. So, yeah. Now, Growing up in the business, was there like did you start trying to learn and study certain aspects of the business, like design, pattern making? Yeah, what were your interests, or you just had to do, yeah, learn it all? I sort of had to do everything at different times. So, like, I definitely learned to make patterns. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say that I'm a pattern maker, but I could make a I could make a pattern today if I had to. I sort of also had like just a whole library of patterns at my disposal. So like I sort of I could I could throw pa panels into a board short, or, and you know I could add the seam allowance and change the pocket shape and do those sorts of things. But sort of I just knew that we had you know the best fitting board short patterns, for instance, already hanging there. So yeah. I wasn't going to reinvent that. And you know I think like growing up like you know different periods where Dad was you know, Dad was the sales rep, he was the pattern maker, he was the the cutter, he was the sewer, you know, so, so, you know, I'd, I'd go on the road, like, dad would generally do, his dad, uh, my parents divorced pretty young, and I was with dad, so he was a single father, so he would, he would, like, time his, his sales trip around the school holidays, cause, huh. so that he could take along. me with me, and he didn't have to, like, find somewhere for me to stay while he did a road trip, so, yeah, so I did a lot of time on the road with dad, you know, going shop to shop, yeah, so... I want to do this, you know, yeah. like, right? Yeah, at <laughs> the time I was like, I don't want to do this. Take me home. All my buddies are just like hanging out and yeah, having fun. But yeah, it was, you know, in hindsight, I was good at surfing. A little did you out. know that that was like going to school, right? Like, For sure, Not many, but there's still one or two people that my dad was showing ranges to when I was like, you know, 15, 14, that, he's, that, that we're still showing ranges to today, you know. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it's, uh, not many, but there's one or two still, yeah. still there, you know. So, yeah, what is he, is he still working in there? Yeah, so he's pretty much retired. You know, I, I my favorite joke is he gave me my first job ever and I'm, I'm giving him his last. So he still works with us, he still helps us with the patterns today. And um, awesome. yeah, like I said, he's pretty much retired. He's, he's really into a few hobbies. He's really into 
3D printing and modeling and stuff like wow. that, which is wow. rad. And um, but yeah, whenever we need him, he's, he's there. He's still staying relevant to the technology. Yeah, oh, he's he's incredible. Like he, yeah, he got it. I got my son a 3D printer for Christmas last year, year before last now. And yeah, and then Dad just was fascinated by it. So he like he learned how to 3D design and pad, and then he was sending my son all, all these like files for the 3D print. My son was like. Got getting sick of it, so then dad bought his own 3D printer. Now he's just like, so wow. it's, it's pretty crazy that you know, like he's he's deep into his 70s and like he just thought, fuck, I'm gonna I'm gonna learn to do 3D pad design. And he taught it like in a matter of like two weeks over Christmas holiday, like taught oh, himself how to do that. And it's like it's pretty so, pretty sort of a good example of who dad is. Yeah, yeah. So uh, as you're growing up working with your dad in, 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 his, in his business, you starting to think, fuck, someday. Did you go to school for design or never went to school for design? Because you were learning it on self-taught, self-taught right there through through the business. Yeah, I think it's. I think someone actually asked me the other day, like you know, how did I learn to design? And I've actually never been asked that question. I was, and when I thought about it, it's like so. I started sweeping the floor as a cleaner, like I mentioned, and then the next next I guess trade that I sort of learned, and when I left school. I was a cutter, so I learned to lay up the fabric, but I was already sort of doing that before I left school. And so when I was 14, I would I just help the guys. I wasn't using a big cutting machine, but I'd help one of Dad's workers lay up the fabric. And then at the end of the roll of fabric, you know, there'd be a little off cut, and I'd like stick that away. And then I'd grab the patterns and I'd cut out a pair of shorts. And then I'd like walk it around. I'd be like, hey, "Can you sew the fly for me to one of the ladies?" And I'm like, "Can you do the? Can you do the side seam? Can you do the in leg? Can you yeah. do the waistband?" And I can sort of sew, but like these girls were way better than me. Yeah, yeah they're, they're gonna zip it in through. Yeah. And, and they're getting paid piece rates, so I have to be pretty persuasive as well. Like they're like, "This little kid keeps coming, and you know, I gotta stop what I'm doing that's earning money because if they're selling my stuff, they're not earning a cent." Yeah. So anyway, I'd make these shorts and I'd take them to school and I'd sell them. No way. Uh, so you're already designing your own board shorts? Yeah, and like that's when I say like I guess designing in air quotes because you're hustling. It was just like the design. The design was what fabric do I have, yeah. and how can I make something look cool out of that fabric yeah. that I've got? So it's sort of more like design through necessity than creative design almost. But and it was also like learning. I think that's a, like a valuable sort of skill that I've managed to sort of that I can still use today is it's like understanding the process. So this guy slinging board shorts out of his backpack yeah. at school. That's awesome. So when you went to school, did you go with one board short, two board shorts? I'd kind of take orders. So I was like, hey, Lyndon, you want a pair of boardies and like 20 bucks? And you don't, you, you don't know what, what fabrics I'm in? Yeah, I'd say, oh, what colors do you like? And you'd say, I like green. And then I'd come back the next day with a blue pair. I'm like, blue's way better. <laughs> but yeah, I actually saved up enough money that year. And that was the first year I went to Hawaii. When I was 14, and Shut yeah, up. so I, I you saved, you sold enough shorts. Yeah, to help I think I think I did a lot. Obviously, it was a different time. I think I got about 1,200 bucks. Wow! Yeah. I was washing some cars and doing some other bits and pieces. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was sort of the main. How many How many shorts do you think you sold? It was a fair few, yeah, yeah. fair few, yeah. I remember the number, but and what were you people were pretty sick of me. I, I pretty much exhausted the, yeah. the marketplace because people were like, I've already got one or some guys had two pairs. Yeah, you need to go <laughs> next city over, next yeah. town over and start recruiting the, the, the kids at school there. Dude, the surf shops are starting to call your dad, hey, your son's putting me out of business. Yeah, uh, <laughs> your son's selling shorts cheaper than what we're selling at the store. What, what were you selling them at? What's going on here? About 20 bucks. Yeah, 20 bucks. 20 bucks. And at the, the, re, at the store, they're buying. 
I'm, I'm probably 40. Yeah. 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 But, you know, so yeah. do you have um, a label or anything to display? I did. Do it was so funny because um, Dad used to come over to all the trade shows all the time, like ASR and whatnot, yeah. and he'd come back, he'd bring the magazines and, and all the rest. And I just, I loved Gotcha. Gotcha was just, that was my brand. And Say it again? Gotcha. Gotcha? Yeah, yeah. that was that was the one. Bro, sure. that and was... I don't know if you guys remember the utility trunk that oh, I yeah. did. Yeah. So pretty much my shorts were like a direct rip-off of the utility trunk. Like I put the panel in the back and the yeah. pocket. And I'd try and emulate the fabric colours and I did a little logo. As, um, it was pretty much a copy of it. I remember it had like a little circle with four arrows coming out of it. Yeah. And I called it Jam It. Jam It? Jam It. That was my brand. G-A-M-M-I-N? J-I-M dash I-T. Whoa! Jam It. Go and Jam It. Damn it. Just jam it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was uh That was true. Yeah, logo full full name. plagiarism, just like just a full bend down to MT. Yeah. Know. But I mean was gotcha available? No, it wasn't. So so it wasn't available. It was kind of new to wait. Gotcha wasn't available no. at So a big company in Australia, I can't remember who it was, I think it's Bonds, which is just like a big like Fruit of the Loom, similar to Fruit of the Loom here, but they had already registered Gotcha, the name, spelled the same, everything. And it was like you bought it, it was just totally coincidental. And like you bought it, you bought it like Target, you know, Kmart, yeah, yeah. it was just like plain sweaters and whatnot. So, so yeah, for whatever reason, that was probably the main reason, I guess, but yeah, you could never get Gotcha in the States. And I would always ask Dad when he came over here, like, get me a pair of utility trunks, please. Like, and he'd come home and he'd get me like airwalk shoes and all these different stuff. So I'm like, where's the utility trunks? And he said, oh, they're always sold out. Like I can never get a pair. Wow. And so and I just made my own. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? And I, I remember what you're talking about. Yeah. I'll have to dig up the archives and find a picture of those. Yeah. They were, that was like Gerlach. Like, sick. Gerlach era. Yeah. 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 And, it, and it was like a weird, like almost metallic uh, material too. Yeah, well, I never saw a pair in real life. Oh, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> but they were. Yeah, and pretty much. It, it was like a diagonal. Uh, nah, these ones had like a square yoke on the back. That's it. A band around the hem. Yeah. And yeah, like a patch on the left leg. Yeah. It said jam it. I mean, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. I made it. No, that's awesome. And then you. Um, did you get like when your first like industry like job outside of your dad's? Yeah, I had a couple. Um, you said you worked for Billabong. Yeah, I worked for Billabong. Worked for a few other people first, and yeah, you know, sort of like I guess you know the bank. So, who was your first outside of your dad's company? First job outside of dad's company was a company called Surf Rats. Surf Yeah, which was up in Lusa. Um, yeah, well, dad. Dad was. In hindsight, smart, but you know, he and I would fuck heads a bit, and he was like, you know, I think I had a bit of that classic, you know, the boss's son yeah. type thing, and you know, go on your own. Yeah, I wasn't probably turning up for work on time, and you know, just you know, probably taking advantage. Probably didn't really have the right work ethic, to be yeah. honest. You know, I was young, but Dad was like, hey, you got to go and work for someone else. So he sort of fired me, and I sort of quit something. That Leave it at that, right? Best, when, thing, yeah. happy. Best thing that he could have done. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, that he could have done. Um, so yeah, I went and worked for him, and I came over here. I actually worked for Jet Pilot for a little while in oh, Carlsbad. Yeah. I lived there for six months or so, um, which was a great experience. What age? I was like mid twenties. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 
I used to race motorbikes as well, so Jet Pilot was sort of a pretty cool brand back then. Like, yeah, super yeah. cool. Um, all the motocross guys used to rock Jet Pilot stickers, so that was a cool experience. I mean, killer name, it was a killer brand, but it just never took traction in surf. You yeah, know? Like, yeah. They tried to make a push, but it just. Yeah, and it was, yeah, so I helped them do sort of their first apparel line. Um, and then, yeah, went back, started with Billabong. Did like. Australia? In Australia, did like six years there. And then I left Billabong, went to. Rip Curl, and then left Rip Curl when when Rhythm was started. Did Rhythm for about nine years, and sold Rhythm. Uh, sold Rhythm about a year before that, and stayed on for a year. Then left and went back to Rip Curl off of being a job, and went back to Rip Curl. Damn. And then in the US or Australia? In the second time was in Australia, but I did come over and do a stint here again, did like six months working out the, the coastal basic office. Because you guys are sharing like shared styles, but some make your specific, like if like Rip Curl is a global brand, you're doing like... Yeah, also um, my role at Rip Curl, I was head of, global head of board shorts, okay. business unit manager, so the global bum, bum. yeah, so that was interesting. <laughs> Um, yeah, look, Were we uh, talking about that last night or two? Maybe, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, look, I loved working for Rip Girl. It's, yeah. I think it's a, a phenomenal company that I learned so much just about. So, when you were working for Rip Girl, was that at the height of the, the board short wars? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we've gotten a lot of good takes from different people within this. Yeah, this, this like board a, short war. It's like the space race of board shorts. Yeah. Did you, did you come up with the barrage? No. Okay. No, the barrage was already part of Rip Curl's offering when I arrived. Um, we did a one-piece board short at Rip Curl with, um, that, I, that we worked on that was with uh, was a fanning short. And yeah, did a bunch of signature shorts with the guys and whatnot. I worked pretty closely with Nick on a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And um, whatnot. But yeah, Rip Curl, Rip Curl was incredible. I learned so much there, met a lot of great people. And, and yeah, as a business, I think you know, I've worked for Billabong, haven't worked for Quick, but I've worked for Rip Curl. And then just, yeah, there's a lot of business disciplines in inside Rip Curl that yeah. I still still cherish and sort of utilize every day so yeah when people like you know oh you jump ship but it's actually you know very resourceful to kind of pull upon all those different like work ethics and different techniques and different ways like business is done yeah there's a lot of similarities for sure but there's yeah a, there's a lot of different like nuances within each company that's like hey I could take a little bit I like what they did here and I like what they did there and yeah. implement that and Absolutely. kind of create your own you know what you're doing now you know sure. yeah. I mean that's just experience and that's just life in general you know mm. take what's good and kind of you know not everybody's perfect on you know the way they do business yeah absolutely I think you learn you learn a lot from the people you work with and you know also from the mistakes that you make as well I, I would I would love to pick your like dad's head about like just the, the the fabrics that come a long way like yeah. welded seams now and all the like different tech features you know not just the stretch material yeah. but just how innovative like materials have gotten over the years from what you know it's funny yeah it's funny dad dad hates stretch fabrics <laughs> what um which is just yeah dad doesn't surf much anymore so he, he doesn't look at it so much from a functional perspective but he his durability and he just he, he doesn't like stretch fabrics because they mask, in his words they mask all sins. 
So basically, a stretch fabric can make a make, it, make up for the era of a of, shitty fitting board short can make it make it a, a reasonably fun short. Yeah, it's so, a good point of view. I guess a true tailor spoken. Yeah, so right? he yeah. doesn't he doesn't he doesn't dig it. But um, but you know, he, I mean, it's not that he doesn't like it. But yeah, yeah he's like if, if you can't make it fit without stretch, then you shouldn't just use stretch for the sake. But it, earlier today, I wanted to blast this out there. Earlier today, Rama McCabe of Bank's Journal, uh, he and I were talking at, at our Rivia booth, and uh, he asked who was the designer of, of Rivia. And I go, well, it's, it's Jamal Gray, Bank's one. And um, Rama goes, you work together? They never, worked, never worked together, but we grew up in the, he grew up in Byron, and I grew up in Mullum, mm. like 10 kilometers away from but, each other. So. But Rama goes, it's like Jamal. It's like he's the best board short designer. I've ever wow! Like, what? Because I thought words. he was a really good. He is absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And uh, for him to say that was pretty fucking cool. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's, it's classic. Like, like I said, Rama grew up in Byron. Rama's former partner in bank was Tim Cochran, who I think I gave Timmy a job at Rip Curl when I was there before Rhythm. I was design manager. Um, pretty sure I gave him a job there. He came and did an internship, something along those lines. And then I gave Timmy a job at, at Rhythm. And then Timmy went on to be head of design, or very high up in design at Hurley, Hurley Australia, working with the global team, and then started banks with Rob. Yeah. So, sort of what funny, from a, little, from a little town, probably three pretty accomplished designers. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of Rama to say that. I. I you know, I, I did a lot of work with Rivia when we first started the brand, setting up the blogs and those sorts of things. We have a designer there now yeah. who, who focuses on on design full time, and so, so yeah, Tim Tim Broad Broadbank at, at home, so he does a really good job. Um, and yeah, so I can sort of step out a little bit. I'm 51 now. No one needs a 51 year old designer hanging around. <laughs> <laughs> Just a um, number, bro. Just a number. <laughs> nobody, nobody's counting. Going back to uh, to rhythm. You, you created that brand. You were there for nine years. Was there? Uh, there's a lot of learning in those nine years. Absolutely. What what kind of things would you like to? Uh, or what? Yeah. What kind of advice or things that you'd like to? I don't know, give, give people an insight on, uh, on what it takes for a brand and uh, company to survive. Yeah, well I guess first of all, I didn't, I didn't create the brand. Uh, I can't take credit for that. Neil Purchase Jr. came up with the name and he, he created the logos and the first, you know, the first aesthetics and um, yeah, Neil doesn't do a lot of design work anymore. But he's, he's phenomenal, he's a creative genius. And, you know, you see that through the boards he's doing now. And um, everyone knows what an amazing surfer he is. And yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's a half decent bloke as well. But, um, yeah, he's still, still, still a really close friend. And um, 
So yes, yeah, so first of all, I can't take credit for that, but yeah, it was part of it, obviously, and working, working with Neil, and, and I think that's definitely one of the lessons is, you know, find people that complement your skill set. Um, you know, I was more on the cut and sew side of it, um, Neil is more graphic, and I think we complemented each other really well, and, you know, I think a few of those ranges, I look back on those early ranges that we put together, I think they're still, they still stand the test of time, and they're pretty incredible, but, you know, like I said, it's a very much a sort of a team effort. Um, I think outside of that, it's just, you know, there's a lot of business lessons in, in the rhythm process and um, what the rhythm journey, I guess you'd say. And, um, you know, everything from, you know, range architecture to, you know, to following trends or not following trends. And, you know, there's a lot, a lot of lessons there in, in terms of, you know, remaining really integral and knowing, knowing who you are as a brand. Um, I think Rhythm's doing great now. We definitely went through a stage where I think we lost, lost uh, sort of lost sight of exactly who we were as a brand for a minute. And, um, you know, I was sort of happy that by the time I left, it sort of corrected the, the ship a little bit. But, you know, I, I also give props to the guys that you know, they've really found found their niche and stuck true to who the brand is. And, you know, I never, I've never once like, looked at Rhythm since I've left and cringed and oh, yeah, they're making, yeah. you know, they're making dogs breakfast of it. I think they're doing a great job of it. So, yeah, so yeah there's lot, lots I, of lessons. I bet you are surprised to see it flourish even more nowadays, right? Yes and no, in the sense that, like, to be honest, I was surprised it didn't, it wasn't better received earlier. Yeah. To be honest, like, it's such a killer name. Yeah. It's a great name. It's a great product. It's just this is a tough industry to crack. It's, it's you know, like for a lot, you know, for small brands, you're, you're having to find a crack in the floor to squeeze through. Like there's just not a lot of space. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think you know since, you know, I think since some of the disruption to supply chain through COVID, those brands have, have flourished just because retailers have had to bring in new brands out yeah. of necessity if they don't want you know blank walls with no stock. Yeah. They've had to look outside what, what they've been buying for decades. Yeah. And then they put a new brand in like a Caton and it sells like crazy and it's like, oh our customers love this. Yeah. It's like the, their customer wasn't able to love it before because it wasn't getting represented in their yeah. store. So yeah. we were having a, con- a, a sidebar conversation the other night about that debate that we might have down the line. For sure. Bob McKnight is here. <laughs> <laughs> Look, and like like I said to you, like um, you know, I'm, I don't bash on the big brands. No, I, I have no. the most. They paved the way. I couldn't I couldn't have more respect for those guys. Like you know, like I think I said to you, like Gordon Merchant's my Kelly Slater. Yeah. Like he is just the best at, in the game of what he does, and he has been for such a long period of time. So I, I love those brands and I think that those when those brands are healthy, our whole industry is healthy. Yeah. You know, but I think what the industry needs to be healthy is a balance of established established brands and you know, raw cutting edge brands that are coming through and challenging. Pushing them. everybody to you know, yeah, I think that it has to be a mix of both. It can't be it can't just be all a bunch of little brands, I don't think, and it can't be just all a bunch of yeah, bigger older brands. It's you know, a, it's it has a, to be a balance. It's a natural you know, natural evolution of, you know, like stuff and trends and everything changing. It's just in the past hey. trends have been so long and now as we've moved sure. up and yeah, it's just it's like it's really hard to kind of stay on top and you know you're going you're speaking on brand identity and staying kind of what we say in your lane and with rhythm or, or any brand it's like it might have been a little bit of 
too forward at the time where they weren't really embracing it because they were so reliant on the bigger brands. Yeah. And then when that wasn't working, they kind of like maybe. 100% agree, yeah. I think, I think like short leg shorts are a classic example in that. So you're responsible for the 15 inch inseam now? No, I wouldn't say so. <laughs> Just um, but we did we did bring those in really early with rhythm and you know yeah. a, a really small part of the consumer base loved them and you know positioned the brand and uh, you know. Uh, and you're the only ones doing it, so it's like. Yeah, but we built it our head against a wall for years, and yeah. you know, and then then I step back and I watch Billabong come in and introduce like the garage collection, and all of a sudden, short leg shorts just go through the roof. You yeah, know? I think that's again, that's well, Billabong's just always been genius at picking the time. Like, well, they're and they're playing off their heritage. You're like, hey, we already did this. Let's bring out the archives and, and yeah. you know, put a new face on it, and you know. Exactly. Slap the new lipstick on and it's golden. But they knew when to. Yeah. They knew when to. I mean, it's same with, you know, there's a bunch of, you know, I think Rusty and Quicksilver, a number of brands are bringing out some archive product at the moment and they'll hit the timing perfectly. You know, the market's yeah. ready for long leg baggy denim shorts and they're ready yeah. for panelled and piped no. board shorts, you know. And so, so yeah, I think that's that's another lesson, you know, yeah. from the rhythm days. It's like, it's, it's great to be first. But it doesn't necessarily you don't turn, it doesn't, it. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily turn pay the bills. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've been at Ruka for 20, almost 22 years, and it's been the same thing with, you know, we jump on something that's a little bit before the trend actually hits, and yeah. then we're like, well, everybody's doing it, we're out, and now we lose out, even though we, you know, it's like it's always been that kind of timing. Uh, you don't want to be... I think for smaller brands, you have to, I'm not saying Ruka's a smaller brand, but for a smaller brand, yeah. you have to be ahead of the curve. Whereas a bigger brand, you can you can sort of just decide when you want to jump yeah. in the deep end of the pool, yeah. and you know because you're not you know stores aren't going like these guys have to come up with a new thing. They just have to do it well and they have to do it at the right time. And I think big brands have nailed that. As a sales, selfish sales rep that only gets paid on what ships and what you know the base, I would get so mad some sometimes. It's like get off. It started yeah, started starting to get track. I just I just sold this in for the last year like ah, and it's finally hitting now you're not new moving forward with it and they're like well everybody else is doing it we're over it and yeah. I'm like now I can't make any money <laughs> make the logo bigger yeah. make the logo smaller make the logo bigger make the yeah. short brighter we don't want to listen to us but it, it, you know it's like we you know are thriving on you know making yeah. sales I think yeah I think timing's so, so uh, good. after tell us about Create Supply when did that come about and um, so that came about in 2017. Is that like a free agent? Sorry to interrupt. A free agent, like uh, like a design group, or what? Did so creating supply. I'd sort of I'd been involved in design for so long, and I actually had a bit of a light bulb moment where I just just realised I just didn't care anymore about design. <laughs> I was just sick of caring about it. I remember just saying to myself, I just don't care what shade of blue people want to wear in 12 months time. <laughs> I need a break and at the same time I had a number of people I'd moved back to the coast um, sort of for family reasons we you know as a family we didn't really dig living in Torquay and we want to get back to the coast so I came out of the coast I was doing a little bit consult- consultancy and I started to do a little bit of placing a little bit of production for different people and I private of, yeah do I thought, a private label for yeah, yeah exactly so so yeah, so and I just thought that's that's what I want to do. Like I, I just don't want to I don't want to go to bed at night thinking about design and you know, just you know, I've done it for so long and I just sort of had to step out of it. So 
So yeah, I guess Creating Supply started with the vision that we wanted to partner with small brands that we felt had, when I say we, it was pretty much just me, but you know, my wife and I are part of it. My wife's part of the business, she, she sort of supports me every step of the way. And um, so yeah, I just sort of wanted to like identify small brands that I felt had growth in front of them, but were maybe challenged by the whole production process and importation and dealing with factories in China and all of the rest. So that was an area that I had I had a lot of experience in and sort of an area and again sort of goes back to you know my days in Mullumbimby of, of sort of more engineering as opposed to designing and sort of like going okay to go to customers and they're like hey we want to make this elastic waste sure we want to sell it at this price therefore we need to buy it at that price and but we want it to look like this and so I sort of really started enjoying that sort of yeah. like engineering challenge yeah. of getting a great product at a price that's going to work commercially and so we partnered with a few few brands and that's the hardest step for a young brand is to you know jump up into more you know cut and sew and you know yeah, overseas absolutely. production and yeah. you know hitting those minimums that also is like you just mentioned profitable or yeah. you know well, there's enough money the, the funny thing is as you're talking about it you know, I, I thought about it when I asked you the question it's like you come good circle yeah right yeah like you become like what they say you become our parents oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah yeah because that's what your dad did Absolutely. Now my eldest son's about to turn 13. I'm like, okay, start sweeping, bro. It's time to go. Floor, bud. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, it's it's, it's classic. Uh, yeah. And then, as you're working with these other brands, other brands have approached you, and here we are today. You have your company that's working behind the scenes with two up and coming brands. Sure are. Yeah. Super so, own brand. Yeah, exactly. So, like I said, I sort of got out of the design and branding side of it, sales, and yeah, slowly dragged me back in. And yeah, I guess saw some pretty, you know, I was really fortunate to have a couple of incredible opportunities present themselves to me at different times recently or, you know, a few years ago. And yeah, started working with Former in 2020. And then um, started talking to Julian. I've known Julian for a long time since he was at Robert, and um, yeah, he'd left. He'd left early, and yeah, we started kicking around the idea of starting a brand, and that was in 2021. And yeah, like I said, here we are today. Yeah. And yeah, sort of uh, reviews on yeah, so sort of like year two now. Year two. And former, obviously a little bit older than that. It was. It was going for a couple of years before I got involved, but um, yeah, we've been doing former for three, going on four years now. It's pretty rad, you, you get to see both sides of like, you know, a Julian Wilson kind of persona starting a brand and Dan Reynolds starting a brand, polar opposites in, in styling and like personality. You got the jaw kind of clean cut, like, you know, more, and then you got the kind of this grunge slash yeah. like just, yeah. Disruptive, um, raw. Yeah. You know, and you're trying to balance those two little. For sure. Yeah. Like they're they're so different. And so different. If if they weren't so different, I wouldn't do do 
it both doesn't, of them because yeah. they're, they're obviously being too competitive against each other. So, so yeah, we, we really see that they're two extremely different. Customers. But they complement, like, you know, what's what, what's yeah. needed in the in the marketplace. You For know, sure. we need both the, like brands like that. Yeah, no, it's. I think like I've never seen. You know, I've seen. People. Oh, speak of the devil! Oh, there he is. <laughs> what, are you guys doing another one? Good, we're blocking. I just wait for you. Come back, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've never seen. I've never seen someone wearing both brands. Yeah, never. You know, we see a lot in Australia. We see a lot of former and Riviera in the wild, and I've never seen anyone wearing both both brands. So, awesome. even my kids. My kids are like no, one no, of my kids no. is really into former. And he doesn't wear Revere. That's my eldest son. And then my youngest son's really into Revere. And he doesn't wear former. And they're just like, no, this is who I am. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, yeah, my youngest son's you know, really into surfing. And, and like he plays football and loves that side of it. Then my eldest son's probably a little bit more creative. And you know, he's into 3D printing and yeah. you know whatever else. And um, he's really into former. So that's um, it's funny. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, Besides those other two brands, are you still doing other work for other people too? Or? We do, yeah. It's um, yeah. I'm really fortunate. When I started Create Supply, um, a really close contact in China, Carlos and his wife Vivian, decided that they wanted to do the same thing as me. So we, uh, like, literally the day that I decided to do it, I rang him and said, "Hey, Carlos, this is what I'm going to do." Um, I'd love to keep working with you, you know, if, if that's okay. And he was working for another factory and I was sort of hoping that we could continue working with that factory. And the next day he called me and goes, oh, do you know, I spoke to Vivian last night and what you're doing is like exactly what we actually want to do. We want to leave and we want to do, we want to start our own business and our own factory. And so yeah, so we started together. So we're creating Supply Australia, we're, we're different entities, but we're creating Supply Australia, Carlos and Vivian are creating Supply China. And essentially, the, the other brands, we, we call them third-party brands that you know, we work with, Thrills, and we do a lot of work with um, a bunch of other brands. Um, that they, work, they work directly with Grand Supply China. Um, so we don't, you know, we don't sort of see too much of that, but it's sort of, we, um, yeah, we, we still produce that in our factories. We call people like you Octopus. My wife calls me that sometimes. Really? <laughs> you got your tentacles on everything, huh? Yeah. Man of many hats. Well, Wait, you got one hat. Jamal. Yeah. Hope you uh, enjoyed your time with us. Hey, you guys we... are talking too much or you're not drinking fast? Well, he wasn't going to be a midstream. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought he was going to get three. I got hit one. Uh, no, you did. You were full. Yeah. You, you I don't know that one. He's in like, he's like little syndicate. Yeah. Kitty, kitty bees. Oh, we're going to cut that out. <laughs> Jamal, thank you for yeah, your time. Thank you, guys. Thank you. And, yeah, and congrats love, love on, the podcast. And congrats on everything you're doing. And thanks for all the thank content you. you guys are putting together. Yeah, and this is just a teaser. Okay. So yeah. we'll do a proper sit-down with you the next time you're on Cali. Yeah. yeah that's good. And our yeah, listeners fun. are demanding more. Like, we need more Jamal. <laughs> I want to hear him at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll see about that. Yeah, we can't let Fontes uh, hold anything over your head. Whoa. Oh, Fontes. <laughs> yeah. Love that guy. Yeah. Every time I see him, you gotta go and talk to Chalky and Jay. You gotta get on there. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you yeah, very much. Thank you, guys. Peace. Right. Bonsai Bowls, hands down the best bowls, period. Seven locations two in Hawaii, five in Southern California. Bonsai Bowls, go get some. Ashland Hard Seltzer, made from all natural ingredients, no sugar, zero carbs, gluten free. 
Great taste and guilt-free good times. Ashland Hard Seltzer. Shade Sunscreen. The best sunscreen for all surfers. Shade Sunscreen. It's been around since the sun. Shade, Shade. Sunscreen. <laughs> Clearweather is a family-owned footwear brand started by our friends Josh and Brandon Brubaker. They are driven to create their own path in the corporate sneaker world. Less corporate, more independent. Clearweather. Clearweatherbrand.com. Fuwax is the best, ickiest, stickiest wax in the game. Fuwax. Late Night with Chalky is supported by Inherent Bummer. Surf entertainment, thoughtful writing, surf videos, music, and fresh hell for the core surf community. Remember, it's not the end of the world. Subscribe and check it all out at InherentBummer.com. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams, for our awesome artwork, and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music.